Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm DJ. DJ, you're back. We're continuing our Strixhaven coverage. We're getting near the end. That's right. A lot of cards to get through, but there's some exciting ones today. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the new commanders from the C21 Commander product. So the stuff that came in the Strixhaven pre-cons. Now... We're only going to be doing half of it today, or actually two-thirds of it today. This is part one of two. We're going to go through the new legendary creatures that came in the Prismari, Silver Quill, and Quandrix pre-con decks. But before we get into that, if you're going to want to build any of these decks, you're going to need the cards to do it. If you don't have the pre-cons already, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. That's the place to go to order all of this stuff. And also, not just the pre-cons, but the cards that you want to add in to upgrade your pre-cons or maybe build brand new decks out of. Uh, Card Kingdom really does have the best, fastest service. They get you your stuff in super good condition, and they get it to you right away. I mean, often, when I make an order through Card Kingdom, less than an hour later, I get the message that it's shipped. It's crazy. That's nice. Yeah. So if you <laughs> want your cards to arrive so that you can play with them right away, and let's be honest, we all want that. Yeah. When I click, I'm like immediately want to be holding that card. It's yeah. So if you could nice. have like them magically appear in your hand <laughs> at that moment, that's what you would choose, that shipping option. Well, Card Kingdom is not quite that fast, but they are as close to that as you can get. Uh, and also, once you get the cards magically into your hand, you want to protect them, right? You don't want anything to happen to those cards. And the best way to protect all of your game pieces is with Ultra Pro products. That's the ones that we trust our own collections to. I've got all of my decks sleeved in Pro Gloss Eclipse sleeves, or I'll admit, I haven't quite switched them all over to the gloss ones. I have a few that are in the old Eclipse sleeves that are still good. Um, they're not as good for the foiled out decks. So I did like my more fancy decks. I did switch over, but some of my decks that like they don't have a lot of foils, they're still fine in the old eclipses, but pro gloss really is the way to go. Do you know what's funny is that you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to switch it over when they wear out and they never wear out. It's it's true. <laughs> like a lot of decks, I felt a little bit bad because I was switching them into pro gloss, but it's not like the old sleeves were bad. So I kind of, I kept all those sleeves that now when I like get a single that I don't know what deck it's going into, I can put it in one of the old non-gloss eclipse sleeves just to keep it safe because that's really what sleeves are for, right? Keep your card safe. So Ultra Pro really doesn't make the best stuff to protect your stuff. And then the final way to support all of our content is directly. You go to patreon.com slash command zone. All kinds of cool perks for patrons. Uh, one of which 
I'd say this perk is probably the best that it's ever been coming up soon, which is you get to watch game nights earlier than the general <laughs> public. And if you haven't heard, we have a pretty big guest on an upcoming episode. The, the next episode of Game Nights, which is in June. Yeah, we have Post Malone um, as a guest on Game Nights. That's a nice little spoiler that broke uh, Magic Twitter. Yeah, it really that, did. <laughs> it only got like 7,000 likes or something. <laughs> People seem pretty excited about it. Let me just say it's a really cool game. DJ, you get to hang out with Posty a little bit uh, while he was in town. Uh, Yeah. He was awesome. It was awesome. You're going to want to watch him play Magic. Yeah, he definitely is a big-time player, loves the game. Um, so anyway, you'll get to watch that game nights earlier than anybody else if you're pat- a part of our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash command zone. Also, you get other perks like talking with Jimmy and DJ and I on our Discord. Uh, we're on there all the time. And also, you get to watch extra turns a day early. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a whole community on the Discord. And so if you're brewing one of these commanders that we're talking about today, you can throw it in the Discord and suddenly you have a whole team of people brewing behind you. It's a really great community. Yeah, a lot of veteran players on there. All right, let's get into our main topic here, which is the new commanders. Josh, oh, there's one other way. Oh, boy. There's that... one other. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. I forgot something. Sorry. There's one other perk, you mean? There's one other perk. Right. Yeah. I, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank goodness DJ is here. Without Jimmy, I'm lost. Uh, yeah. The one other Patreon perk is that we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Oscar Modig. Oscar, you rock. Thanks, Oscar. All right. Now, for real, main topic. Commander 2021, the Strixhaven Precons, the new Commander Review. So we're going to be talking about the new legendary creatures, but we're going to be talking to them outside of the deck they come in. Yeah, sometimes when you see a Commander in the context of the deck, you're like, oh, there's the one way to build it. There's the one approach to do it. And so when you just pull the legendary creature out like it's any old other legendary creature, how do you build it? What do you do with it? How do you start brewing? Yeah, so we're going to do a deep dive on every single one of these. Again, we're only doing this part one of two. So we're going to do Prismari, Silver Quill, and Quandrix today. And then on the next episode, which should be coming out in a couple days, we'll do Lorehold and uh, Witherbloom. Boy. Okay. Uh, let's start with Prismari. Yeah. Let's start with the face card from the Prismari deck. It's Zafi Thunder Conductor. Two blue and a red for a 1-4 legendary human shaman with magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, scry one. If that spell's mana value is five or greater, create a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token. If that spell's mana value is 10 or greater, Zaffy Thunder Conductor (laughs) deals 10 damage to an opponent chosen at random. So Zaffy cares about the size of the instants and sorceries you cast or copy. If it's small, you scry one. If it's medium, you make a 4-4, and you'll still scry one. And if it's large, 10 or more, hard to do, by the way, but we'll talk about that in a second, uh, then you deal 10 damage to an opponent, make a 4-4, and scry. So let's talk about each of those. Um, cast something, scry one. What do you think about that? We, we tend to think of scry as somewhere around like a third or a quarter of a card. So... That's not a lot of value just tacked onto anything you're doing. And we've seen cards that like cast an instant or sorcery draw card, you know, at this rate of four mana. So this seems undervalued if all you're doing is scrying one. Right. So really five is, I think, where you're happy. If you cast a five CMC or copy a five CMC thing, you're making a four, four. And I'd say the value of a four, four in commander is close, is about a card. Yeah. Of value. So that's like getting a free card's worth of value. Plus you get the scry. So a little more than a card. Um, a 4-4 four, four and a scry feels yeah. feels good, yeah. I think. And I think that if you can generate multiple 4-4s, four that, that builds on itself a lot better than a lot of other effects. So I'm pretty happy to create a 4-4. Four, four. 
And that's, I think, where how you want to build this deck. I don't think it's realistic to be like, I'm going to cast all 10 CMC stuff. Yeah, that's the other mode. So 10 CMC. Uh, I actually think that you're aiming for the 4-4 because 10 damage is great, but it's also chosen at random. Yeah. I think if you can just go like... 10 damage, 10 damage, pressure you with the four fours, then that's a lot more powerful versus... I think I'd almost rather cast two things that are five CMC than one that's 10. Just, okay. I'd rather get two four fours than I would just randomly deal 10 damage in most instances. Yeah, actually, because the four four has more board presence and it synergizes more with the other four fours so that all the things that work with the creatures and the tokens that you have work with that as well. Like, yeah, I agree with you. So I think incidentally, maybe a couple times in a game, you might get the 10 CMC thing to go off, but you're not trying to do that. You're mostly trying to do five CMC, but five CMC is a lot. So our first category for Zephi is spells that are cheaper than they look. So what you want to do is you want to trigger that thing where you've cast or copied a five CMC instant or sorcery, but you don't actually want to pay five mana to do that. So there's a lot of ways, as it turns out, to sort of trick the rules of magic into thinking or, or, or... into knowing, I guess, that it's five CMC or more, five mana value, sorry. We keep saying CMC. We're probably going to take a while to get Switch used to that. Switch over to that, yeah. yeah, for sure. But we know that cheating mana cost is just a powerful effect in Commander and Magic anyways. And so cards that have a really high mana value, but you have ways of reducing that down, those are sometimes good cards. Like you have awesome. Delve cards written down here too, and some of them are super powerful. Yeah, so Delve is the first mechanic that kind of does this that we're going to talk about. And Delve allows you to exile cards from your graveyard to pay part of the mana cost of a spell. So Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, these are eight CMC instants and sorceries, but you might end up only paying one or two mana from that for them. So you get the 4-4, you get the scry, but you don't pay the five mana, you pay one or two mana. That's great. Uh, Logic Knot is another one. This is a counter spell. Um, and this one has an X in its cost, so could hit the 10 CMC. Uh, <laughs> Logic Knot. If you 10. wanted to. That's true. You That's could do true. it. You could do it. Uh, other cards let you discard a card and then cast them for free. And these can be very, very powerful as well. And also because you're casting them for free, but you're discarding a card and the CMC of the spell does not change. So Force of Will famously is one of these cards, uh, lets you discard a card to um, counter a spell and it's five CMC. So it doesn't check to say, did you actually pay the mana? It's just like, did you cast me? What's my CMC? What's my mana value? It's five. Okay. You get a four, four. Absolutely. Similarly, Misdirection also costs five, also lets you discard a card to be able to cast it. Misdirection has you changing the target of a spell, which is really good because in both of those situations, you can protect your commander that's generating those four fours. There might be like, I got to get rid of Zephi because that's too many four fours. I don't want that to happen. And you're like, actually... I'm prepared for that, and I get a 4-4 by stopping you. <laughs> nice. Uh, I also like a card, Cave In. It's three red-red for a sorcery. You can remove a red card in your hand from the game instead of paying its mana cost. So there you go. That's 5 CMC that you didn't pay any mana for. Uh, and it deals two damage to each creature and each player. And I like this a lot because Zaphi's a 1-4, creates 4-4s, four not going to get killed by the two, two, by the two damage. But man, I, I'm amazed at how often like two damage to the whole board will kill like a lot of important things. I agree, yeah. The I've Timnas seen and the, all that, like the Oracle of Moldias and the Deathrite Shamans and everybody just cries and it's oh, great. I play all of those. Yeah, so, so do I. But I, when I'm not playing them, I want to kill them. Yeah. Um, then there are trap cards. You've activated my trap card. Uh, they also have those in Magic um, for those that play Yu-Gi-Oh. And these usually, there's some criteria that has to be met by your opponent. And if it is, then you can cast these cards for a lot cheaper than their mana cost or sometimes free. So there's Archive Trap, three blue blue for an instant trap. If an opponent searched his or her library this turn, you may pay zero rather than pay Archive Trap's 
uh, mana cost. So there you go, just right away. Five CMC, you can pay zero for it. Make a four four scry, and it also says target opponent puts the top thirteen cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So are you playing this in this? In yeah, this deck? I believe I am. Just just to make the four four and scry because we don't we don't really care about no the no no it's cards. really really good against all the vampiric tutors and the and the enlightened tutors because they put those cards on top of their library. They search, they put it on top of their library. And you go, nope, and sorry. Like, no, thank Mill you. the top 13 cards. So it's really good against all those. And as just an incidental, like, would you play a zero cost 4 4 scry? Everybody's yeah, I mean, fetch that, landing. Yes, Everybody's yes. fetch landing, right? I would totally, I would totally play that, but this has to be on the battlefield too. Well, I mean, if, right, but most of your cards don't work if Zephyr's not on the battlefield. You are, you are correct. <laughs> no, but hopefully some of them do, like your, your Force of sure, Wills sure. and your d- Dig Through Times. But what are you protecting cruises, with Force of Wills? All that if, stuff is good. Right. Well, you're interrupting other people's stuff, because sometimes things are doing more powerful things in Commander than making 4-4s. I'm 100% paying anything that I can play for zero, and it doesn't cost me card disadvantage. Don't forget. Okay. A, a trap doesn't say discard a card to do, to cast that's, it for zero. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Rune Flare Trap is the red one. It's four red, red. And it, you can cast it for just red. If an opponent drew three or more cards this turn, that happens That's every single happen. game yes. of Commander, yes. And it deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards in that player's hand. By the way, that is a more relevant ability than you would think. I'm a big fan of Stormbreath Dragon. Yeah. Uh, I'm a I big fan Storm of... I played Stormseeker. Yeah. If you fork a Stormseeker, you can often just kill someone. So Rune Flare Trap is like... How many games have you seen where somebody's got 20 plus cards in their hand? It happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. So this is a make a 4-4 scry for one red mana and sometimes deal dome somebody for 20. Or they're going off and you're like, you lose the game with the deck in your hand right now. Yeah. So I I really like both of those cards a lot. Um, Another category that is makes uh, spells cheaper than they appear, less mana, is spells that untap your lands when you cast them. So there's a bunch that like cost a bunch up front, but once they resolve, they untap lands. So they kind of they cost five, but they really only cost two. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of a cool one. It's pour over the pages, three blue blue for a sorcerer. You draw three cards, untap two lands, and then discard a card. So it's really three mana. Pick the best two two out of three cards, and you make a four four and scry. Yeah. So I really like that one. There's um, finale of revelation is another one. This one's. <laughs> This one's a little iffy. Why don't we go ahead and read it? DJ. Finale of Revelation is X blue blue. So X means you can get up to 10. Yep. Nice stuff. Uh, draw X cards. If F- X is 10 or more, instead shuffle your graveyard into your library, draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Exile Finale of a Revelation. Okay, listen, you have to have 12 mana to do that last part, but it does technically untap five lands if you do it and you'll dome somebody for 10, make a 4-4 scry. I don't know how good that is, actually, but if you do it for seven... <laughs> do you know what, though? I think that there's, there's... Actually, you do have to do it for three, and then it's a five CFC. I think five. that later on, you're going to talk about a way to build this that's a little bit more mean, a little bit more competitive, pushing yeah. the envelope a little bit. I feel like some of the times when you're archive trapping people and doing this for 12, you're playing a different style of deck, which is super fun over the top, but also you can push this in other directions too because it all centers around what instance and sorceries you're doing what are you copying you know and you can tailor this to your play group really easily uh and then there are 
miracle cards, which are cards that if they are the first card you're, you've drawn in a turn, you reveal them and you can pay the miracle cost on them. However, they have an actual casting cost in the top right corner, which is their mana value, is their CMC. So Reforge the Soul is a Wheel of Fortune uh, for three red red. Each player discards his or her hand, then draws seven, but it has miracle for one in a red. So if this is the first card you've drawn in a turn, you reveal it and you go, I'm going to pay two mana, get the four, four, scry. Uh, Temporal Mastery is the extra turn one. It's five blue, blue, but miracle for one and a blue. Do you know what works really well with miracles? Scrying. Yeah. Do you know what scries a lot? Zaphi, because every time you are going to scry every time that you cast a big spell too. Yeah. Okay, so the the next thing to sort of think about, because that was all the spells that are cheaper than they look, is I think, and this is your, a category you put down, DJ, which is spells that let you cast more spells. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing that you can do is cast a ritual, cast you something that will generate you more mana so that you can chain into more things because uh, your commander is going to be a lightning rod as soon as you pump out three or four of these. So you are going to want to be explosive. Yeah. And so if you can cast three or four spells every turn, then you're getting the value out of your commander in the, at the right time. And it lets you do bigger, splashier things. And so, often the ritual that you're casting is five CMC. So it kind of like counts as a spell that makes up for four and scries, but then f- fills your mana pool or gives you more mana than you even ha- spent on the thing mm-hmm. to cast even more spells. So it kind of gets the the ball rolling, yeah. as it were. I think a classic one is Mana Geyser. Yep. You know. Uh, every red deck. Every red deck it's plays that. It's too good. Yeah. It's, it's five mana, so it's going to trigger your commander. And then you just look at the battlefield and you look at your opponent's lands and every land that's tapped, you get yourself a red mana. Often, just you get 25 mana and win the game. It's crazy. (laughs) You generate so much mana. And in a big mana format like this, when you have other big spells and you're creating 4-4s, it can just be game ending. But if that's not the only one, uh, there's Apex of Power. This one costs 10. (laughs) Josh, just to throw it out there, it's like, this one costs 10. Yeah, you got to know when it costs 10 (laughs) because it might do 10 damage to somebody. Apex of Power. Let's read it because nobody plays it, so they're not going to know what it is. It's seven red, 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 so 10 mana. Sorcery, exile the top seven cards of your library until end of turn. You may cast spells from among them. If this spell was cast from your hand, you add 10 mana of any one color. So that gives you the mana to then cast the spells off the top of your deck. But, you know, also to dome somebody for 10 when you do it. I want to kill somebody that way if I play the Zaphi deck. I just want to be like, get everybody to 10, then cast a 10 CMC spell. That's really cool, but also if I'm paying 10... Right. I really, I don't want my spells all exiled. Like, I really want, can I just draw some? Yeah, it's true. Instead, it's like, it's like, no, they're exiled. You have to use them right, right now. now. And also, don't you have to choose one color? Yeah, yeah. That drives me crazy. Why can't it just fix for me too if I'm already doing this? It's not the, it's not a great <laughs> card, but it does fit this category. Uh, I do actually like Brass's Bounty a lot. Yeah. That's the one that creates treasures and treasures are very good because you can set up bigger plays in subsequent turns. You can hold up counter spells. You can do a lot with treasures. Uh, they just sit there on the board and become threatening. Yeah, it creates a treasure for every land you control. Yeah, we also got Rousing Refrain in there as well. Yeah, Rousing Refrain is a new card. It's three red red for a sorcery. You add a red for each card in target opponent's hand and then until end of turn you don't lose mana as steps and phases end you exile rousing refrain with three surprise uh suspend counters on it surprise counter. yeah <laughs> uh sorry it's not suspend counters it's time counters which is why I'm, my brain was like malfunctioning there um yeah but anyway that means you can cast it again for free in three turns so it's and it'll do the same thing Jimmy, I like this card uh, a lot. We're going to evaluate it. I don't like that card very much. I mean, I like it in this deck. I don't like it in general. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yes, I actually yeah. do like it in this deck, too. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> okay, there's other different ways that give you spells that cast more spells. So far, we've been focusing on generating mana to cast more spells. Right, rituals. Yeah, but there's also other spells that do it, like uh, Spell Twine. Yeah. Spell Twine's a fun one. Yeah, it's a six mana sorcery, and then you basically choose one instant or sorcery from each opponent's graveyard, and you cast those without paying their mana cost, so... It's pretty cool. Like we've, I think we've gravitated towards Diluvian Primordial to yeah. have it on a creature. But when you're in a spells deck, spell twine is just great. You yep, know? yep, yep. Uh, we also have like Epic Experiment, Mizix's Mastery. So those uh, are ways to sort of cheat out a lot of spells. Epic Experiment casts spells. It's an X spell that casts spells off the top of your deck. Um, sort of blind. Mizix's Mastery, well, we all know from the last game nights, it is complicated, but it can often allow you to cast a lot of spells all at once. If you overload it, which I've never seen anybody cast Mizix's Mastery not overloaded. I would say, I wanted to pause here and say, be careful with X spells in general, because you can't, you can't like Mizix's Mastery a bunch of X spells, right? So if you have X Epic Experiment in your deck, you don't want a lot of X spells in your deck because you don't want to flip over X spells because you can't cast them for free. They don't do anything. Or you can, but like... And things like Spell Twine too. It's like, oh, yeah. like I can't, I don't have access to that. And so there, there is a little bit of a parasitic nature of this where if you have too, too many X spells, sometimes the cheating effects don't work. You know, things And like I think that. just another reason not to concentrate on that if you cast a 10 CMC or, or more. Just like that might instantly happen a couple times, but I don't think you want to lean into it. Uh, there's also Mind's Desire which is four blue blue for a sorcery. It says shuffle your library, then exile the top card of your library until end of turn. You may play that card without paying its mana cost. So this is a six CMC sorcery that allows you to play another spell. However, it has storm. So when you cast the spell, copy it for each spell cast before it this turn. So even just doing this twice is nuts because you cast two things, make two four fours. And then if you happen to get instance or sorceries, that are five CMC or more on the top of your library, you get two more four fours or whatever. Because remember, Magecraft is distinctly different than the traditional templating that we've seen about just casting instant sorceries. I think a lot of people are going to forget that it has that or copy along with it. And that or copy is deceptively good. That little bit of extra text makes these cards busted in certain circumstances. For sure. And that's going to lead us into our next category for Zaphi, which is don't forget to copy. So another storm card that's really good is Ignite Memories, four and a red for a sorcery. Target player reveals a card at random from his or her hand, and then Ignite Memories deals damage to that player equal to the card's converted mana cost, but it has storm as well. I've killed many people with Ignite Memories. It yeah. is very good. Some people are like looking at the worst case scenario like, oh man, what if they just have a land in their hand or something like that? Like you know, people have big creatures in their hand, big spells in their hand all the time. And you can like choose, you know, you can go after the player that does have that random big thing stuck in their hand. And if you storm, you might do it like three or four times at somebody. So Easily. it could be super brutal. Yeah, they're holding that Ulamog. Whoops. Um, reiterate Fury Storm. Both copy spells, reiterate, is a fork that you can have buyback on. Fury Storm actually can go infinite with itself. That would be infinite scries because it's for CMC. Mm. But you can often like copy it, copy it, copy it, copy it. It's copying itself. And then by at the end, you're like, okay, so I've got 12 copies. And now all those are going to copy Ignite Memories yeah. or whatever else. So. And to reiterate, oftentimes when you have mana loops, you can just go crazy with that spell too. So there's there's a lot of infinite combo that you kind of just incidentally get. Yeah. I don't think that's our main game plan to go infinite, but you can just stumble into it in many situations, especially with these powerful cards. Um, also, Pyromancer's Goggles is an expensive mana rock. It's 5 CMC, but it creates a red. And if you cast a red spell with it, as a red instance or sorcery, it'll copy that spell when you cast it. So that's just immediate you know, big high CMC stuff, you get two of them instead of one, 
which is a lot of value. So I think that card definitely goes in the deck. Uh, Crark the Thumbless, flip coins when you cast instance or sorceries. And if it comes up in your favor, you copy it. And if it doesn't, then you get it back to your hand. And both can be good because Zaphi's triggers are on cast. Mm -hmm. So if you copy it, you'll get two four fours. But if you don't, if it, it, at least the cast trigger will go off, you'll make the four four, and then it'll still be in your hand. You can cast it again. So Kark is definitely better when you're casting smaller things and you're getting smaller triggers off of it, but it's still good here. Yep, yeah. I think so. And then there are more ways to make tokens so that Zaphi is not the only thing in your deck that is making tokens. You can Shark Typhoon. You can... Uh, Metallurgic Summoning. Metallurgic Summonings. Dika Fractal Theorist, which is uh, a monocolored commander that's in the Quandrix deck, can all make it so that... They can stand in for Zaphi if you have to. If Zaphi gets killed or whatever, stolen. You're already casting spells to make creatures. You have themes in there. You That's what you're doing. So backing up with other themes and getting double value out of the spells you're already casting could be really good. And then finally, I think Elegeth probably goes in this deck. It is four blue blue for a five six Sphinx. It's a lot and it's not an instant sorcery, but it it says, if you would scry a number of cards, draw that many cards instead. So it turns Zaphi into make a 4-4 draw a card, which I think is worth it. They're also the four mana ones that if you just cast an instant or sorcery, you can draw a card too. Yeah, true. true. Um, but it's cool. I like it. Yep. So, okay. That is Zaphi, which I think turned out to be a lot cooler than I thought it was yeah, going to be. Definitely cooler. As you, But you talked about, are you going to ignore the mean aspect of it that you wanted to talk oh, about? Oh, sorry. I did put you that added, down here. You added this whole section about, oh, well, right. if I were building it, Josh says. I did not say that. <laughs> but if you want to be mean, I think, yeah, the, the way to do this is extra turn spells. So Zaphi is really good with extra turn spells because most of them tend to be five or more uh, mana there, almost always sorceries. And then... An extra turn has the added benefit of kind of giving virtual haste to the tokens that you make. So if you play Time Warp, Part the Water Veil, Time Stretch, Expropriate, these will make 4-4s four when you cast them and then basically draw you a card and give haste to your creatures if you think of it in that way because you untap all your stuff on your next turn and here you are ready to attack. Yeah, I think that you bring up a really good point because extra turn spells are better if you have board's presence. And yeah. sometimes in spells deck, you don't. An extra turn spell is just another card, another untap, another chance to, you know, cantrip or something like that. But in this deck, you definitely create board presence, a big one with every spell that you play. And so getting an extra turn really builds upon it, you know, so extra turn spells are powerful no matter what, especially in multiplayer formats. But in a deck like this, I think it's a powerful way to go. But people do not like it when other players take a lot of extra turns in a row, you know, so they, they might get a little cry into it and, yeah. and make four fours and protect your things. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it'll be strong if you do it. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Veyran, Voice of Duality. This is the commander that I played on the most recent episode of Game Nights. It's one, a blue, and a red for a 2-2 Efreet Wizard. Has Magecraft whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Veyran gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. But it says, if casting or copying an instant or sorcery spell causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So it spells Harmonicon. Anything... Any permanent you have that triggers off an instant or sorcery being uh, cast will trigger twice, which does... Oh, sorry, cast or copied, um, which does trigger Varen's first ability. So Varen actually gets plus two, plus two when you cast an instant or sorcery or, sorcery, or copy it. So, Josh, uh, 
you played this on game nights. Yeah. Uh, it was sensational. People should watch that. <laughs> uh, this is the most built commander out of the set on EDH rack. Do you have anything to say about that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it looked pretty good on camera. And I got to say, like, I didn't even build like the craziest version of Varan. We talked about this uh, on our roundtable episode, which you, I'm sure hopefully most of you have seen by now. And like, I didn't put in Force of Wills and Fierce Guardianships and stuff on purpose because I wanted to make sure that while my deck could do its thing, it wasn't it playing the game of like, let's stop everybody from doing their thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is common on game nights. So I think this deck is actually quite strong if you build it fully optimized. I don't know if it's EDH, probably not, but it's probably like Mizzix powerful. I mean, this effect is insane and it enhances so many cards to like a point where it's like, oh, well, that's totally broken. Uh, and it's easy to do. So while Zaphi wanted you to build your deck casting instants and sorceries of a certain size, Varan doesn't care the size of the instants or sorceries. And so you're now incentivized to actually cast these smallest instants and sorceries, the ones that are the cheapest possible. Because what you're really trying to do is maximize the tr- amount of triggers that you get. So it's like a total opposite of what Zaphi wants to do. And in... In all honesty, that's kind of the when you get more competitive, you get bring down the curve a little bit. You a have lot. more efficiency yep. in your deck, and that's what this has done. Uh, so, a card that exemplifies this is Gataxian Probe. It you can cast it for one blue Phyrexian mana. That means you can pay a blue, or you can pay two life. I'm paying two life every time. I'm yep. Yeah. <laughs> Look at target player's hand. Sure, why not? But more importantly, you draw a card. Just a cantrip for for two life in most situations. But most importantly. It's synergizing with everything else. You're getting all of those triggers. If you could play all that and then just the things that trigger, I think you'd probably want to do that because yeah. the fact that you can play them for free, then they replace themselves and they trigger everything. So you trigger everything for two life. It's great. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, yeah, so cantrips and cheap spells are really what you want to do. Opt, brainstorm, those are other cards that do a similar thing. There's a lot of cards that target a creature and do something and draw you a card. So haste is a big one you want in the deck because you're going to want to attack with Varen right away. Uh you're going to want to do it correctly, though. Don't make the rules mistake that I made. Um, but by the way, like you mentioned attacking with Varen, and some people might think of like, oh, like this is an enabler commander. It gets so big. I'm so surprised fast. at how threatening this is because what you're doing is you're attacking on one angle of all these spells and all these triggers, but then you just have something that can swing and kill someone out of nowhere. It's it's amazing that it can play on those two axes. These are cards that say like give haste to a creature and draw a card. And that's really what you're looking for. And they're all one mana. And you're looking for the cheapest thing, as many one mana things as you can get, that draw a card and hopefully do something that can sometimes be useful. So then we're also looking for those permanents that will gain you that extra value. Because just getting Varen bigger is good. But really, you want to be dealing damage, drawing cards, doing more stuff. Yeah, you want stuff that say, when you cast your copy in Instant or Sorcery, do something. And Varen's going to say, hey, actually, do that twice. So, and yeah. it's only one mana now, or whatever, or zero mana sometimes, to do that. So let's talk about, yeah, there's a bunch of cards that'll draw you cards. Archmage Emeritus, Wavebreaker Hippocamp, a Beam Splitter Mage. Okay, so I want to read a couple of these. Wavebreak Hippocamp is two and a blue for a 2-2. Whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, draw a card. So as long as that spell is an instant or a sorcerer, I guess if you had Vidalcanori or something out, yeah. then it will trigger Wavebreak Hippocamp, and you will draw two cards. So now if you're doing like, you know, I don't know, Brainstorm, you're going to oh my draw two cards off air and then resolve Brainstorm, or sorry, draw two cards off Wavebreak Hippocamp, then resolve Brainstorm's effect. 
Beam Splitter Mage is really, really cool, though, because it's a two-mana 2-2, two, two, a white and a red. It says, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Beam Splitter Mage, if you control one or more other creatures, that spell could target. Choose one of those creatures, copy that spell. The copy targets the chosen creature. So if you've got Crimson Wisps, you go, boom, I'm going to target Beam Splitter Mage, give it haste, and it says, oh, you only targeted me. You want to target something else of yours? Yes, I do. Varen. Even though it doesn't need haste, it doesn't matter because I still get the card draw effect off of Crimson Wisp. So now that becomes one mana, draw two. If you like this effect, you're going to like Zodahedron Grinder. Yep. That has a similar That's effect. Insane. M- Mir- Mirror no, no, Wind Dragon. Also, that that wasn't the totality of it because Beamstorm Mage would actually trigger twice in that case. That's right. And you're going to cast another Crimson Wisp. So you're going to get three, one mana, draw three, which is an Ancestral Recall. It's crazy. Zada will walk through in a second. That's That gets really crazy. <laughs> There's, it gets deeper, yeah. more levels. So there's a bunch of card draw associated with uh, spell triggers, we'll call them. But there's also ramp involved with spell triggers. Uh, you saw me use Bergy, God of Storytelling, with Varen. Man, every time you cast a spell, make two red mana is broken. Oh my gosh. When you know what else is broken? And this is a card I think a lot of people should probably pick up right now because it's going to be cheap. But I, I guarantee this card is going to be like Pitiless Plunder or something later on down the road. Storm Kiln Artist. Three and a red for a 2-2 two, two, uh, Dwarf Shaman. It gets plus one, plus oh for each artifact you control. Might be relevant. But the Magecraft is whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a treasure token. That's great. Create two treasure tokens if Varen's out. <laughs> Get Taxi and Probe. Draw a card. Create two mana. <laughs> These are the play styles that make like storm decks, competitive yeah. storm decks work, where you have the ability to generate more mana than you're going into it. And it is, it's good. It's really good. Storm Kiln Artist could easily be like, if you have five mana available, play it, win the game with Varen out. Because you're like, cast a one mana thing. And every time I do that, I'm up a mana. And every time I do that, I'm also drawing cards and ble- beam splitter mages out or whatever. I'm drawing three cards, making two mana. Then I use one of that mana to draw three more cards and make two mana. I use one of that mana and every time and you don't have to go infinite you just go a lot and that's the type of turns that storm kiln fiend sorry storm killed artist there's a kiln fiend this is storm kiln artist uh that's an insane card i just i just think it's going to go in so many decks um there's runaway steamkin which we've also seen on extra turns and things like that every three red spells you cast you can take the counters off of it and then make three red mana but with varen out is every two because you make four counters mm. uh two counters each time so it just gets up to speed a lot faster so again you can cast two spells make three mana cast another spell make it's it's nuts and remember like this is redundancy which is how you build a reliable deck and if you ever have two of them out it's like and one great thing about this deck is everything most of the cards in your deck are cantrips so finding these pieces that when you need them is so much easier yeah. Uh, then there's also dealing damage with your spell triggers. So gutter snipe, every time you cast an instant or sorcery, it deals two. Well, Varen, it's four. And so you don't need to cast very many spells at all for that to end the game. Uh, Gelectrode, I yep. like this one because it can target creatures. So it's one, a blue, and a red for an O one. You tap it to deal one damage to target creature or player, any target. Oh, sorry. I guess it can't be hit Planeswalkers. So it probably still says creature or player on the Oracle is my guess. Anyway, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you untap it. So it'll actually untap twice with Varen. So you tap it, deal one damage to something, cast an instant sorcery, untap it, tap it again, and then before the second 
Varen thing untaps. Yeah. You always, if triggers are on the stack, you always have priority to resolve one of them, do something, and then resolve the other one. So you have time in between those two untaps to tap it again. Yep. Do you know what I like? I like this next one. Oh, yeah. This You're one is cool. We're talking about Aria of Flame. This is one that, like, I think a lot of people saw and they're like, oh, I want to do this, but you have, you have to jump through some hoops. It's really cool. Uh, two and a red for an enchantment. When Aria of Flame enters the battlefield, each opponent gains 10 life. That seems bad. Seems, seems real bad. Uh, whenever you cast an insert sorcery spell, put a verse counter on Aria Flame. Then it deals damage equal to the number of verse counters on it to target player or planeswalker. Now, we were like, our wheels were turning with this and it seemed impossible because you're giving away 30 life. You have to cast like only, seven spells. Yeah, and it only targets one player. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it just meant you had to get to so much. But when it triggers twice and you get two of those, yeah, so you it cast- builds twice as much. And you can say, I don't care if you guys have 10 life. I'm going after the threat. Bam, 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 bam. And it just builds. Oh. Yeah, because Git Probe gets two counters, deals two damage. Something, Brainstorm gets two counters, deals four damage. You know, by the third spell, you've already negated the 10 life you gave to somebody. By the by the sixth spell, you're just killing people, right? Like, yeah, yeah it's doing 12 damage every time. It's nuts. Yeah, definitely in the deck. I wish, uh, I've played it a few times since I've never drawn this card yet. But I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be good. Um, okay, where are we here? Uh, another thing is Token Makers. So, uh, Young Pyromancer, Talran Sky Summoner, you know, instead of one 2-2 two, two flyer, you get two 2-2 two, two flyers. Seems really, really good. Docent of Perfection, I like a lot. It's three blue-blue for a 5-4 flyer, but whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you make a 1-1 one, one human wizard creature token. And then, if you control three or more wizards, you transform it. Here's the great thing. Varen's a wizard. So, if you get Docent out and cast an instant or sorcery, it'll trigger twice. You'll make two wizards. You'll now have three wizards, and you will immediately transform it into final iteration, which is a 6-5 flyer says wizards you control get plus two plus one and have flying they turn into delvers of secrets and then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell you still get the wizard this thing with flying gets crazy because it gets pumped up it's gonna have flying it's gonna smash someone in commander damage them out it is so cool how quickly you'll be able to play that flip it give this flying smash someone with your commander that's supposed to be this value spells thing. <laughs> I, I love it. I love when you can turn a commander sideways out of nowhere. Uh, Orvar's also really good in the deck because when you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, you create a token copy uh, of that permanent. So you would just make two copies of anything that you're targeting. So with Varen out, it's pretty nuts. Um, and as a result, because of this Zada and Beam Splitter Mage, I actually built my version to have a lot more targeting my own creatures. Rather than just cantrip, you're like, you'd rather have a Crimson Wisps than a um, Opt. Exactly. Yeah, although Opt is still good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of more copies, uh, more ways to copy your spells are really good. So Quark the Thumbless, we already talked about. Uh, Zada Hedron Grinder. This is Zada's insane because if you cast a spell that targets Zada, then you create a token copy of that spell for each creature you control that it could target. And here's the thing you do that twice with Varen. So if you have like five creatures and you Crimson Wisps, you make five Crimson Wisps. No, you make nine Crimson Wisps, right? And so you draw nine and give your entire battlefield haste. Yeah, for one mana. And Varen triggers off of the copies too. So Varen actually gets like plus 18, plus 18 from that one spell and probably just kills somebody, right? Like that's 20 yeah, damage right there. Yeah, that's yeah. it. 
So Zada's nuts in the deck. And then Thousand Year Storm. This is a card a lot of people ask me about um, why I didn't have it in my deck. And I'll tell you why. Because it's super complicated to show on game nights. And I was like, let's just try and keep it simple. Which, by the way... The editors will kill me. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I failed at. Like, it was not simple what I ended up doing. But I was just trying to keep it a little bit under control. Because also, there's a lot of math involved. But undoubtedly, Thousand Year Storm is very, very powerful in this deck. Um, You want to read it? Sure. I love Thousand Year Storm. Uh, it's four, four blue red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it for each other instant and sorcery spell you've cast before it this turn. You may choose new targets for the copies. So as long as you can rattle off three or four spells a turn, it starts getting insane because by the fourth one, you're casting four copies of it. It adds storm to every subsequent spell. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and when you, everything you have is like one and two mana cantrips, you're just going to draw your whole deck and, you know, be able to make infinite mana or whatever. It's pretty easy to do that once you have it out. Basically, if somebody drops Thousand Year Storm, you better kill them or kill it before they untap or you're not going to win. Yeah, and it's a permanent that, like, has a trigger. It's like it, they, they feed off of each other. Okay, so two things I wanted to note before we move on to the next one. You do not want too many permanents when you build this deck. One thing I learned by goldfishing and playing it. So you have to have enough instants and sorceries or the deck won't function. It's very easy to get excited about all the triggers from Varen and then just build the deck. So it's like, I'm barely triggering anything because most of my stuff is permanence. So you need 35 or so instants and sorceries. Do not put a lot of permanence in the deck uh, as far as like, you know, enchantments, artifacts, creatures. Also, the key is, is that the instants and sorceries get you to the permanence and the opposite is not true a gutter a gutter snipe doesn't get you to a brainstorm but a brainstorm gets you to a gutter snipe so have more brainstorms than gutter snipes that's a really good point and then also uh, we talked about a little earlier but because of orvar zada beam splitter mage runaway steamkin just make sure if you're going to run those cards that you have enough spells that target your own creatures and for runaway steamkin enough red spells i actually skewed towards more red spells only because i had more i had runaway steamkin in deck so I was just like, hey, this can be a little more red. Because normally I think if I build an Izzet deck, it would be more blue than red. But I think I would think so. But this yeah. is interesting that it swings red. There was bit. enough red cantrips that I was like, well, why don't I just swap some of the blue ones for red ones because Runaway Steamkin's in the deck. And they really don't matter too much if it's blue or red on the, on the cantrips. Mm-hmm. All right. Pretty cool deck, though. Very powerful. Very cool deck. All right, let's talk about... <laughs> so each of these pre-cons, I guess we didn't say this at the start, they have two dual-colored commanders, and then they have two mono-colored commanders in them. So this one has a blue mono-colored commander and a red one. Let's talk about the blue one first. Octavia, Living Thesis. Eight blue-blue for an 8-8 legendary elemental octopus. This spell costs eight less to cast if you have eight or more instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard. Ward eight... Magecraft, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, target creature has base power and toughness 8-8 until end of turn. There are 8-8s on this card. Awesome. So that is, uh, yeah, that that's cool flavor. First of all, we have to note that. Um, By the way, I have intimate knowledge of this. I, I played uh, on a stream against Benjamin Wheeler and he uh, had from Loading Ready Run, and he had this, uh, and he was only running eight islands in the deck. What? <laughs> what were the rest of his lands? <laughs> huh? There were some flip lands, so he was cheating those ones, but they're technically spells on one side. There were some artifacts. Uh, he mulliganed aggressively. Only eight lands. <laughs> that seems nuts. Well, <laughs> okay. I don't know if I can recommend that. Let's see if Ben Wheeler's uh, deck lines up with what uh, we've written down here. I think the first step here is you want cheap spells, rituals, and cantrips because you want to... Sorry, sorry cheap cantrips uh, 
because you want to fill your graveyard up because you really want to be casting Octavia for a lot less than it's casting. You really want to cast it for eight less, right? You don't want to be paying 10. You want to be paying two. Um, so you want the spells that... There's a bunch of spells that like draw you a card. You look at the top three cards, draw one of them, put two in your graveyard, like curate, strategic planning, those type of cards. Thought scour. You know, Thought scour is one mana. You draw a card, then you mill yourself two. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mental note is another card that does that. There's windfall is just a good card that like replaces the cards in your hand and everybody's and dumps a bunch of cards in the graveyard. I think visions of beyond is a really good card in this deck because crazy good. You, uh, yep. It was cast against me and it was ancestral recall. Yeah. So it's one mana for an instant. Ben had this in his deck. Yes. And he cast it. All right. Yeah. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad we're lining up. Yeah. Um, one, in, one blue <laughs> for an instant. You draw a card, but if your graveyard has 20 or more, oh, sorry, if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards instead. So it is ancestral Ancestral. if you've done a little bit of work. Even just as a one-mana blue cantrip to just, like, get an instant or sorcery into your graveyard and replace itself, it's fine. totally fine yeah. in Octavia. So I think that's, like, the first part of the plan. You might even run some um, some some self-mill stuff. I like Deranged Assistant and Milliken. They both tap. They're two drops that tap to add a mana, but when they do that, they mill you for one. Search for search for Ascanta is another card that great card. That was one of his lands. Yeah, so search for Ascanta <laughs> is a legendary enchantment for two mana. And the beginning of your upkeep, you look at the top card of your library and you can put choose to put it into your graveyard. Then if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, you can transform Search for Ascanta and it becomes a land that you can tap for blue, or you can pay two in a blue, look at the top four cards of your library, and you can reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them and put it into your hand. Uh, so what you get to do is use this to mill yourself until you get Octavia online, and at that point it flips over, ramps you because it's a land, and also helps you draw cards later in the game. It gets you, because you're going to hit. You're yeah. going to have an instant source spell that you can get, but a lot of your stuff is chaff, like you're getting through, and in the late game, you might want something a little bit more relevant so you can search deeper. This is actually one of my favorite blue ramp spells yeah. as well. Yep, it's really, really good. Uh, and then I think like Codex Shredder is actually quite good in the deck. So it's one mana for an artifact. You can tap it and target player mills a card. So you can just keep tapping it, targeting yourself just to get that graveyard full enough so that you can cast Octavia for cheap. And then later you can pay five, tap and sack Codex Shredder and return a target card from your graveyard to your hand. So you can get one of the key cards back. It also and, works really well against those vampire tutors and stuff. And you're milling so much, it's more like a tutor than a than a regrowth. Um, normally a regrowth is just like, oh, like what did I play this game? In a deck that mills this much, it's like, oh, let's look at half my deck and figure out exactly what I want. And then I think you want spells that are good in the graveyard since you're going to be milling and putting them there. And once you get Octavia out and enough spells in your graveyard, flashback is a good mechanic or jumpstart. And examples of that are like Artful Dodge and Think Twice. That way you mill all this stuff in your graveyard, but it's not like you lost that stuff. You still, you know, those things allow you to cast them out of the graveyard or whatever. Um, so once you get up to the point that you can cast Octavia. I think a couple things to note here. You want most of these to be instants because remember the mage craft on Octavia is whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, target creature has base power and toughness 8-8 eight, eight until end of turn. It's a lot better to do that at instant speed for a number of reasons and one is which if your opponents know you can do that at instant speed, they cannot block you. And also there's a bunch of tricky stuff you can pull which we'll get into in a second here. Uh, and you wrote down, watch out for graveyard hate. Oh yeah. If someone Bajuka bogs you, like it just ruins your day. Like, what are you supposed to do if someone takes out your graveyard? Which is one reason why we talk about having graveyard interaction in your decks, because decks like this can dump so much stuff in their graveyard. They're actually kind of drawing those cards because they can flash them back. They have access to them. It ramps up their commander. It, it ends up being very, very good. Luckily, Octavia has ward eight. So if Octavia is out and they get rid of your graveyard, 
you're not out of it. But man, if they kill Octavia and then get rid of your graveyard, you might never oh cast that gosh. thing for the rest of the game. Yeah. yeah. So that could be brutal. Just be careful. Maybe keep that Codex Shredder around. <laughs> unless you're really sure you're yeah, going to Yeah, just to keep doing stuff with it. Yeah, for sure. So now let's talk about creatures that want to become 8-8s. And one interesting thing to note about Octavia is that it turns a creature into an 8-8, but it doesn't have that little clause that a lot of these effects have where they lose all abilities and become an 8-8. Mm-hmm. They keep their abilities. So they're an 8-8 with the abilities they had before, which makes a big difference. So there's cards like Looter Ill Core, which is one in a blue for a 1-1 with Shadow. Only creatures with Shadow can block it. Whenever it deals damage to an opponent, you draw a card, then discard a card, which is also what you want your deck to be doing. Booting is good, yes. But also just having an unblockable 8-8 is going to be a lot better than not. So this is a card that's good early, gets you looting, gets you um, closer to casting Octavia, and then becomes good once Octavia comes out because you get to now turn into an 8-8 that's not blockable. I really like this next card. Yeah, this is... This is one reason why you want a lot of instants. Tetsuko Umezawa Fugitive, one in a blue for a 1-3 legendary human rogue. Creatures you control with power or toughness, one or less, can't be blocked. So that means that you can attack with this. It has power one, one or less. And once your opponents say, I can't block it, you say, before damage, now an 8-8. I'm going to cast it an instant and make it an 8-8. So anything that's one toughness or less you get to be like or sorry with one power or power or toughness or less so the let's say you have the looter and tetsuko you get to be like okay attack they can't block boom and that's why you were saying sorceries are so important because on the looter it's got shadow you could probably cast a sorcery and make an idiot and the odds of people being able to block it are like whatever yeah but with tetsuko you need to be able to have it instant speed because you need to be able to turn it into an idiot during combat Here's another card you want to do in instant speed because it becomes very, very good. That's Champion of Wits. Woo! Two and a blue for a 2-1. When it enters the battlefield, you may draw cards equal to its power if you do discard two cards. Usually, it's a 2-1, so it comes out and you draw two, discard two, which is still good, don't get me wrong. But you can maintain priority with the trigger on the stack and just cast an instant, turn it into an 8-8, and now you draw eight, discard two. That seems really, really good. Because like people love the Eternalize on this. And in that case, it's a draw for discard two. Right. And that's like, oh, I lived my dream. It's amazing. Right. Uh, just imagine draw eight discard two. And it's not even for seven mana. That's for three plus whatever the instant costs. But four, probably. Yeah, maybe yeah. five. But yeah, it's crazy. Oh my God. So I love Champion of Wits. Here's a mean one. Cephalid Constable. One blue blue for a one one. Whenever it, <laughs> whenever it deals combat damage to a player... Return up to that many target permanents that player controls to their owner's hand. So this is a uh, turn it into an 8-8, bounce eight of their permanents. That's game over. That person just lost. Land, 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 you're done. Yeah, land, land, (laughs) land, 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 commander. That's now it. I know why you like Tsuko Umazawa oh, it's more so than that <laughs> much. Dodge with this, like oh my not gosh. so. Yeah, that's just it's brutal, but very good. Uh, and then there's one more I'm going to talk about that is um, a card that wants to be pumped. Mausoleum Wanderer, one blue for a one-one flyer. Uh, whenever another spirit enters the battlefield under your control, Mausoleum Wanderer gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. But you can sacrifice Mausoleum Wanderer and counter target instant or sorcery spell unless his controller pays X, where X is Mausoleum Wanderer's power. So now you can use Mausoleum Wanderer to like cast an instant, turn into an 8-8, sack it. Now they have to pay eight more for their spell rather than one. And it really, I love cards like this because their effect on the game is far beyond... Y- 
how effective that ability actually is because you just have it sitting on the table with open mana and it's your turn and you're like crap i suddenly have to have like a conversation with josh about like can can are you going to counter this can i like yeah. well what the is power, it yeah the power <laughs> goes over here who are you aiming it at yeah exactly uh jimmy yeah exactly <laughs> so just seeing it is so powerful if it's pay one extra mana it's not that big of a deal because he just pays the one extra mana. We've had conversations about the strategy of showing people you have a counter spell in your hand yeah, and having that counter spell counter three spells just by politics. Yep. Exactly. You know, and they this just does the same thing. Oh, how much would you like, how good is it if all of your opponents just play the second best card in their hand rather than the best? It's so good. Yeah. So good. I love that card. Uh, so that looks mean, but do you know what looks a little bit meaner? You put this down and Craig <laughs> is so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you I want to tell about- a little Post Malone story really, really oh, quickly go for it, here. Go for it. So we were playing one night off camera and I don't remember what's happened, but I wandered over and Craig's in a game with Posty and I just hear him saying, you should build an Infect deck. And I'm like, oh, hell no, and walked away. And the next thing I know, Post Malone's like, hey, I'm building an Infect deck. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Craig. Do you know how many people were like around him, like pitching their own deck ideas? And he's like, oh, and we're like, not that one. Not that- <laughs> Don't even talk to Kyle Hill. What, what are you doing? What are you doing to their play group, Kyle? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Here's the thing. He's just going to build like 20 decks and then everyone's just going to be a free for all of awesome decks. Oh, you should, That's what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah. You, you saw the amount of cards he bought at Frankenstein. Uh, he can build 150 decks. It's I crazy. saw the amount of cards yeah. he bought. Yep. Okay. Back to mean. <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about Craig. So it's Infect. Uh, yeah, Blighted Agent. Do you know, uh, that's a pretty oh, good boy. card. <laughs> so Blighted Agent is unblockable. And normally that's like, it's a one, one. So it's like a 10 turn clock, right. you know, very well, fair. people pump it, but they, they like giant growth. Oh, do you so. pump it by turning it into an eight, eight, eight? eight? Oh <laughs> boy. Unblockable infect eight, eight. Bam. I think Plague Mirror is <laughs> yeah. actually really good in this deck because it's two mana for a 1-1 one, one that taps for one mana, but it has Infect. So later in the game, you turn it into a, a, a lethal threat. I think that Plague Mirror is underplayed in general. I think yeah. that it's just good to have a mana dork like that, that where your mana dork can be scary and relevant and hold equipment better than the average uh, creature. Uh, speaking of holding equipment, oh uh, Grafted Exoskeleton, it gives a creature Infect. It also gives the creature a certain pump. It's yeah, plus, it gives it plus two, plus two, and Infect. That's funny because... What's two plus eight? Ten. How, How much ma- infect does it take to kill somebody? <laughs> ten. ten. So yeah, th- this is brutal because on any creature that's unblocked, Grafted Exoskeleton will kill that player. That's why I think you probably do play a few like Slither Blade type cards too, just, just unblockable, mm-hmm. just to make Grafted like lethal. One thing that's great though is that you don't necessarily need to go infect either of this deck because eight eights kill people too. Oh yeah, just... I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're at 11 and they hit you for 10 infect, you're probably going to die to normal damage anyway. So, uh, yeah, this is a Octavia a lot cooler also than I thought it was going to be when I first read the card. You had an interesting note here about Ward 8. Yeah, so Ward 8 is is basically hexproof. I mean, if you think about targeting it with the Swords to Plowshares, one of the most efficient removal spells ever, that costs 9 mana. Yeah, it's interesting because Ward is worded in a weird way. So it says that um, that spell is countered unless its controller pays whatever the ward amount is. So yeah, unless they paid an additional eight. Yeah, so it's really difficult to target those. Yeah. The, Octavia and these other wards. You can target yeah, it. It's just not going to... Yeah, it's, it's just going to fizzle. And actually, yeah. that's the important part is that 
are there spells out there that can't be countered that dodge ward that become more relevant? I'm thinking of Beseju who shelters all. Oh, Beseju is so good in general, but now all of a sudden, yeah, I can just pay. Yeah, it's a land that you can tap and it you pay some life, but basically it makes your next instant or sorcery uncounterable. And so now you can target. Ward doesn't say you can't target. And then it says, hey, I'm going to counter that. And you're like, nope. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You just go straight through it. Or maybe something like Banefire. It just can't be countered naturally. That's still a lot to kill Octavia. Yeah. Um, one other thing, by the way, that you came might as well up, play Swords of Power for nine. I know, right? Me. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that came up with this that I didn't expect at all that ended up being really important is just being able to impact creature combat on other people's turns yeah. and other things that are going on. Oh, because you can target creatures. It's, it's opponent's creatures. Yes. So oh my not, goodness. Only, not only can you like say, oh, like you're attacking Jimmy and those sapperlings are unblocked. Spell, 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 that one, that one, that one, and suddenly You're Jimmy's dead. taking a ton of damage. But also, it's like, oh, you block like this? Oh, this one, this one, this one, suddenly you've sort of board wiped Jimmy. Uh, there are also situations where, like, I blocked an Eldrazi, and he was like, your Eldrazi's an 8-8, eight, eight. your... The Your thing's in 8-8, so they yeah, both die. so they both die. The, indestru the not cool. indestructible Eldrazi, I think it was Kozilek or something like that. Interesting. But yeah. So like, oh, I'm just going to chump block your Eldrazi, but it's like, okay, that's an 8-8, that's an 8-8. Suddenly, like, two things are neutralized. and All I've your spells need to be instants. Yes. I don't think you want... Yeah, yeah maybe, like, Git Probe or something just because it'll fill your graveyard, but I don't think you want sorceries. When this is on the battlefield, it makes combat a nightmare, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it really is so much fun because we don't get to play with combat tricks as much in right. Commander, and it really is a fun play pattern, and so I think that a lot of people are going to love this deck. That's cool. All right, let's go moving on to the uh, mono red commander in Prismari. It is Rionia, Fire Dancer. She's a 3-4 for 3 red red, 5 mana, human wizard. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create X tokens that are copies of another target creature you control, where X is 1 plus the number of instant and sorcery spells you've cast this turn. They gain haste, exile them at the beginning of the next end step. Josh, I think this one is busted. <laughs> this 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 seems nuts, and I didn't really... It's another one where, like, until we started going through it, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is crazy. So I didn't quite realize when I read it the first time, you always get one token. Which is just great. You don't have to, like, cast any instants or sorceries. At the beginning of combat of your turn, she's going to make X plus one copies of target creature you control. Yeah, so if you just play this first time, a lot of times, you know, you get worried about a commander that does nothing or whatever, but you play this, and then you go to combat, and then, boom, you've created a token. Yeah, she kikis something, something, else, right? something else on the battlefield, something else on your side of the board. But if you do have cheap cantrips and stuff, and this is a thing we're seeing with all of these want cheap cantrips, mm -hmm. except for Zaphi, maybe, um, then all of a sudden you can be making three, four, five copies of something. So that seems pretty nuts. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff we've talked about before, Renegade Tactics, Crash Through, Expedite, uh, things that create more mana that we mentioned before, things like Jessica's Will, Seething Song, Priority Ritual, Desperate Ritual, because you can chain those into other spells because Even just going like ritual, ritual into ritual would be three spells you cast. Maybe you got four extra mana and then you go, you know, Jessica's Will. Oh man. By the time Riona triggers you're gonna have like seven copies of something oh it th that is totally in the realm of possibility but just let's just be reasonable and think okay you get one for free yeah. you cast two spells 
You okay. can get three copies of a thing. Oh my god! Which, by the way, sounds totally reasonable. That's a moderate. It's scenario. a very easy <laughs> to imagine scenario. And now let's talk about some creatures you can copy. Cool stuff to copy. This is my favorite category for this one. Uh, Combustible Gear Hulk is on here. This seems <laughs> this seems really really cool. Combustible Gear Hulk is a six six for four red red. But when it enters the battlefield, target opponent may have you draw three cards. If they don't, you mill three and then it deals damage to that player equal to the mana value of those cards. So you either draw, let's say you're making, what do we say, three copies? Yeah. So you ever draw nine or some amount or six or whatever. Or, I mean, they can't just be like, yeah, sure, I'm not going to let you draw any of that because you're going to flip over nine cards and maybe kill them. Yeah. That's it's pretty sweet. So, it's so much damage. And there's a lot of other ways to deal damage too. Combustible Gear Hulk, but also Terror of the Peaks. Mm. That's just a more direct form of dealing damage rather well, than playing that little mini game. Oh my but God. when you create extra, well, let's read Terror of the Peaks and then we'll imagine three of them. It's a the three red, red for a flyer. Uh, if an opponent casts a spell that targets it, they cost an additional three life to cast. But it says whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. So let's say you're making three Terror of the Peaks, which means you have one out. That'll be three five fours that come in. So that first Terror of the Peaks will make, will deal 15 damage. But those, each of those Terror of the Peaks will see the other ones yes. and deal 15 damage. So that right there is 60 damage. Yes. Oh my Lord. <laughs> so that's like, you're dead. Probably two players are dead. Probably two players are dead just by that play pattern. Boy. Uh, um, yeah, for sure. Fanatic of Mogus, similar, uh, does it for Devotion to Red. Remember, the copies will keep the pips, so it will count it, the copies that it makes. Uh, then there's, like, Dockside Extortionist, CG. Dockside Extortionist uh, is insane. I mean, it's already an insane card, so yeah, here's another way to, to make to it mention, insane. Yeah, but yeah, know, okay, right. fine. You get 75 <laughs> treasure tokens. Uh, CG again, Commander, just make a ton of goblins. You keep the goblins afterwards. So anything that gives you, all of these think cards give you value. A lot of them have been damaged, but right now keeping all those goblins around is really, really cool. And then suddenly you have just a massive board of goblins that you can throw people, use at your disposal, however you want. I really like Mind Claw Shaman. It's four and red for a two-two. When ETB's target opponent reveals his or her hand and you can cast an instant or sorcery from that player's hand without paying its mana cost. So you cast so this, Cast an instant or sorcery, go to combat. Rionia says, oh, you cast an instant or sorcery. We'll make two mind claw shamans. Cast two more instant or sorceries for free out of people's hands. Plus, you got to look at that person's <laughs> hand, so you might be like, I might you know, yeah, either, either I want you or not. Yeah, oh, you have man, a little bit so of information. Uh, the next two are pretty great, too. Zell's Conscripts, which threaten effects when it ETBs. But this one's even better. Coercive, coercive Recruiter. So this is four and a red for a four, three. When it ETBs... When it or another pirate enters the battlefield under your control, gain control of target creature until I'm turn, untap that creature until I'm turn, it gains haste and becomes a pirate in addition to its other types. Here's the thing. Coercive Recruiter is a pirate. So you have this out. You make three copies of it. That's three pirates entering the battlefield. And they trigger when they enter. So what is that? Three, six, it's nine, an insurrection. twelve. Yeah, for four, for five mana. Four, five mana insurrection steal the board steal the board kill everything like uh, yeah it's pretty sweet uh but what i found interesting was there's a bunch of creatures that are actually not etb creatures that this is good at or good with mm -hmm. humble defector is a really cool one one in a red for a two one you tap it draw two cards and then target opponent gains control of hum humble defector you can only activate during your turn 
Well, remember, Rionia gives the creatures haste. So if you have a humble defector out, you make three copies of it, you tap all three of them, draw six cards, you give those tapped creatures to another player, but they're still going to be exiled at the beginning of the next end step. So they won't get to keep them. Um, so good. There's also things like, for example, a gutter snipe. You want yeah. some instant and sorceries oh, in this anyways. So if you cast a couple instant sorceries and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to combat, I'll create, I don't know, Four, four gutter snipes. snipes. You know what I mean? All then right. Then I'll cast two I'll go to, Yeah, I'll just cast two instants or go to my second main phase, you know, and like cast Deal something. 16 to everybody. And then just suddenly you've just got this big just fireball craziness. It's so Storm much Storm kill damage. an artist. The same thing. Make a bunch of treasure tokens. Exactly. Run away steamkin. Make a ton of mana. What I was thinking was when doing all this, you know, the real thing that's going to hold you back is getting the creature into play on the same turn you cast a bunch of instants or sorceries could be tough because that's going to be a lot of mana, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine you want to get Terror of the Peaks out. Well, that's five of your mana. How many instants or sorceries can you cast in addition to playing Terror of the Peaks in a turn? So, but the thing is you're in red and red's really good at cheating creatures into the play for now. And so sneak attack seems totally busted in this deck because you go instant 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 sneak attack out terror of the peaks go to combat reunion makes four copies of it i win and you can do that for five mana maybe six mana if sneak attack is out um or perforos the bronze blooded which is the new perforos that does a similar thing it costs three mana to get him out but still um i think both of those are really really good and then of course the old trick of like anytime somebody something says at the beginning of the next end step you can use Sundial of the Infinite to just keep that stuff forever. How about this? The the Zealous Conscripts thing that you keep the creatures until there end of go. turn. There you go. You will still have to give the creatures back, but you'll keep the Zealous Conscripts. Because until end of turn is not the same as at end of at turn. At end of turn, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Sundial of the Infinite. Two mana. Artifact. Tap it. And pay one. End the turn. Activate this ability only during your turn. So you wait for Reonia's trigger to go on the stack at your end step where it says, Hey, these tokens I made. Let's exile them. And you go, I'll end the turn and I'll just keep them forever. How about that? Oh, my combustible gear hulks. They stay. They're not going anywhere. Awesome. Uh, of course, I mean, we talked about some of these, and it feels like they could just win the game. Right. But there are some infinite combos that just literally win the game. So if we talk about uh, Combat Celebrant. Oh, yeah. So the infinite Razor, attack step thing. Yeah. So basically, if you have creatures that give you an extra combat phase, you like Combat Celebrant, uh, for example, you can exert it to be able to give you another combat phase. So... Basically, if you create another copy of it, you can exert the copy, get another combat phase. Oh, hey, look, your commander will trigger creating more of them that you can then exert to give you another combat phase. And you can just throw these tokens into your opponent and create more and more and more and more and more of them and win the game. Yeah, Rionia doesn't say... It just says at the beginning of combat on your turn. So every combat, she'll do the thing. She'll make more tokens. So if it is Combat Celebrant or Port Razor, uh, you'll just keep hitting them, getting more combats and doing it again. Ultimately, very powerful, very, very powerful, very fun. And like a weird storm thing that's in your command zone that deals with creatures. And so I think that it's powerful, uh, but also like plays around with different inter battlefield creatures in a, a unique way, a mix of spells and cool creatures to copy seems great. All right, let's move on here to silver quill. We've only gone through four commanders. I'm a little scared now. This is going to be a long episode. Uh, yeah, but they were pretty cool commanders. Yeah, they definitely are. <laughs> this one is cooler than it looks. It's Brina the Demagogue. One white black for a 1-3 bird warlock has flying. Whenever a player attacks one of your opponents, if that opponent has more life than another of your opponents, the attacking player draws a card and you put two 1-1 counters on a creature you control. Did anyone follow that? 
Yeah, this is where you have to understand your commander and sit down at the table and like explain how it works in right. real words. Because actually, like you do need to explain it. So and once you you once you see it in action, it's not as confusing, but it does read super confusing. Yeah. So if you are controlling this commander, your life total doesn't matter. You know, they you, never have to worry about your life. Total. Yeah, you never have to worry about your life total. But if you attack the players with the most life total, you can draw cards and you could draw multiple cards. It too. doesn't have to be the most life total. It has to be more than more another than, one of your opponents. Yeah, more than the other one. So if it's let's say it let's say DJ has the Brina. I'll always have one person I can attack that. Well, I'll almost always have one person I can attack that will draw me a card. Right. Yes. So if they're exactly tied for life, I won't. And if one of them's dead, I won't. But any other scenario, one of them will have more than the life than the other. And if I attack the one with the most life, I'll draw a card as one of DJ's opponents. I can't attack a DJ because he's not one of his opponents, so I can't draw a card that way. Um, I also can attack multiple players and still draw the card, so I can sort of attack DJ with one and attack somebody else with one. And it's much easier for me as the owner of Brina to attack multiple players and draw multiple cards. Well, here's the thing. DJ can actually draw two cards off of this if he attacks the... the players with the most life total if they so he doesn't attack the one with the lowest life total both of those opponents have more life total than the third opponent and if he attacks both of them he'll draw two cards and this is something that was not clear until we played this for the first time uh jordan pridgen who's our writer producer here has a deck he built a deck around this and we were like oh it's way better than i thought you get to draw two cards also we skipped over the part whereas if your opponent does the thing where they attack and draw a card you put two one one counters on one of your creatures which ends up being so relevant Oh yeah, Brina's often like 27 power or something insane. Just gets huge. Because people are like, of course I'm going to draw the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's not just Brina that gets the counters, but usually Brina ends up because she's a flyer. So, or he. Like, we compare it to Edric, but Edric's just easier. You attack an opponent, you draw a card. This one, uh, but Edric sometimes is like a free-for-all with attacking. This one does give you some advantage and does make it so often you can draw two cards when your opponents are only forced to draw one. So I think with this you want to have a little bit of manipulating combat. We've talked about this type of deck a lot. So the ghostly prisons, the windborne muses, uh, bloodthirsty blade is a equipment you can equip to other creatures, your opponent's creatures to sort of goad them. Um, Mangar, the diplomat maybe keeps them away from you. Blind obedience. I really like because all their uh, creatures enter tapped so they can attack each other freely. They have trouble blocking. Uh, Duelist heritage is a cool one. Two and a white for an enchantment. Whenever one or more creatures attack, you may have target attacking creature gain double strike until end of turn. The thing I like about duelist heritage is you can target your opponent's creatures yeah. as well on their combat so you can be like oh you're attacking them double strike yep and they're incentivized to attack the, their opponents because they're going to draw a card so now they're dealing more damage to each other and you can still double strike your own brina and sending players at different things and having their creatures enter the battlefield tapped you think like oh it's just to like get your get your lines of attack in but brina and your creatures get so big that out of nowhere, you can just sort of run over your opponents and kill them through combat damage. And they're trying to stabilize, but their creatures enter the battlefield tapped. They have to attack. And so sometimes they've like just been a little bit too greedy. They've flown too close to the sun by attacking your opponents, and then you're too big and you crush them. It's really easy to have them get killed in a situation where they thought they were safe because you play Duelist Heritage and they thought they were only take eight damage, and they take 16, and now they're dead. Um, the Monarch is really interesting as a mechanic with this deck. I'm not sure that I love it because I don't want to give my opponents reasons to attack me because having the Monarch means that they can now attack me to draw a card and I want them to only be able to attack my opponents to draw a card. So Court of Grace, uh, Palace Jailer, 
both give the monarch and do stuff. I do like Custody Lich though. It's three black black for a four two. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. But it also says whenever you become the monarch, target player sacrifices a creature. So it actually becomes dangerous to take the monarch from you because it means you can take it back, which means they'd have to sacrifice a creature. So they might just like leave you be. You can be the monarch. I'm going to attack this person. Draw a card because of Brina. I do like that one, but I would be careful. I think about having too monarch, too many monarch cards in this deck. We went Jordan and I went back and forth on the on the monarch mechanic, and I like it a lot. And one thing that he noticed is that you always want a creature to also put these plus one plus one counters on, and so having something like Court of Grace creating those tokens, creating chump blockers, spreading out those counters is really good. Uh, and I think it just depends on how much funneling of damage you have. If it's only your commander funneling damage then someone might as well just take the monarch from you and there's not there's not a good reason. But if you have enough bloodthirsty blades and ghostly prisons and windborn muses and stuff like that, then you can add a whole nother level of card advantage and combat manipulation. And then it's a 1-1 counter synergy deck, really, because that's what you find when you play the deck. And I've played against it a couple times now. There's just a lot of 1-1 counters because a lot of people... Like, imagine you get six 1-1 counters between when you pass the turn and when it comes back to you. Like, every time. And that's basically what happens. Almost more because you get them when you attack, too. Yeah, true, true. I just mean like you play Brina sure. past the turn. You get six one one counters usually by the time it comes back. So it's that, crazy, yeah. Yeah. So you want things that take advantage of one one counters. Mindless automaton, crystalline crawlers really really good because you can remove the counters to make mana. Walking ballista turns those counters into damage. Uh, Abzan battle priest is one of the outlast lords, but it gives all your things with one one counters life link. Shinewind is a really interesting one. Had to look that one up. Yeah, you can pay <laughs> one in a white to remove a counter from it and destroy target enchantment. So now your counters become removal. Nikara is pretty cool. Um, whenever a creature you control uh, leaves the battlefield, if it had one or more one, one, or one or more counters on it, you draw a card and you lose one life. Alenda, when it dies, make vampires equal to, to um, Alenda's power. So she gets really, really huge and then you know, somebody wraths and you still keep a bunch of stuff or get a bunch of stuff together forever. You, you pay one, choose target creature with a counter on it. When that creature dies this turn, return it to the, uh, return it to its owner's hand. So it's protection for your creatures to go back to your hand instead of die. So you don't lose the card advantage. The Ozolith allows you to keep counters when creatures die. Um, it's all this stuff. This one, one counter stuff can add up, I think, and become very, very powerful. I also like, I noticed, about this deck, there's not actually a lot of ETB effects on creatures. So I think Hushbringer, which says creatures entering uh, the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. This is from our Art of the, Art of the Board Wipe um, episode a few uh, a month ago now. Um, sort of noticing what your deck doesn't do. Mm -hmm. Most decks have a lot of ETBs. This doesn't. I might play Torpor Orb in this deck. Just really shut down what my opponents are trying to do and really play into the counters thing. I'm just trying to make my stuff big. And it's okay if you have some non-bows in your deck. Like some people get really afraid of Hushbringer and stuff like that. There's uh, like two cards in my deck it yeah, won't work Yeah, because Alenda the Dust yeah. Rose, it's like, oh, it's such a cool vampire. It's like, no, like you're fine. Yeah, you, you just know? don't play Hushbringer if Alenda's out or don't play Alenda if Hushbringer's out and you're fine. You're drawing two cards every single turn. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Uh, okay, so that is <laughs> Brina, and Brina is just very, very cool it and is way stronger than powerful. I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, way stronger than I thought. I thought it was like this, like, group huggy type of manipulate combat, like, it was oh, that be like fun a commander thing where you, like, incentivize other people to attack, yay! Guaranteed, Brina will kill you and swing for 35 at one point in the game. It's crazy. Like, I'm just like, oh, man, Brina got out of control so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool deck. All right. We've got the rest of the Silver Quill. We've got Quandrix still coming up. A lot to go. So don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back, though, after a quick message from our sponsors. 
The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. We're talking about the new commanders from C21, the commander product, the Strixhaven pre-cons. We have gone through all of Prismari and some of Silverquill. We got the rest of Silverquill to go. We you want to talk about one. Felisa? Yeah. yeah, we got a good one. Felisa Fang of Silverquill, two white black for a 3-2 legendary vampire wizard with flying and mentor. Remember that mentor is whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on target attacking creature flavor, with lesser mentor. power. Totally great flavor. Uh, and then whenever a non-token creature you control dies, if it had a counter on it, create X tap. 2-1 white and black inkling creature tokens with flying where X is the number of counters it had on it. 
So the number of counters it had on it is actually a pretty big deal and something I think I missed the first time that I read this card. So I, if it yeah. has nine counters, it's going to make nine two one flyers when it when it dies. Yeah, I think that some people look at this and it's like it's self-enclosed thing where it's like, oh, it puts a plus one plus one counter on a thing because Mentor doesn't usually stack 10 of it on. Right. But we're talking about this in, as a leader with, with the whole access to all of commander cards out there. There are going to be a lot of plus one plus one counters on things. Right. You're going to play Cathar's Crusade, Felidar Retreat. You're going to play Micaeus the Lunark, which you can tap and put a one one counter on every creature you control. You're going to play maybe Unbreakable Formation, which is two and a white for an instant. But if you play during your main phase, put a one one counter on every creature you control. Uh, I am going to play Unbreakable Formation yeah. for sure. It's so yeah. good. And it protects you from a board wipe if you need to. And offends a Kintry Spirit. You bolster one every time a creature comes into play. And token uh these are cards that are just going to put a ton of counters on all your creatures and if somebody it, it makes it i played against this deck too a couple times and it makes it so that like you're like okay my answer to them having a big board like four or five creatures with four counters on them is to board wipe but if i do that it actually gets worse for me because now they make 22 one flyers so uh what's my answer i don't really know and you have a deck that's built around making smaller creatures more relevant because a two-one flyer might be blanked in some situations but then you have that felidar you have that carthars crusade you have all those ways to make those two-one flyers three twos and four threes yeah so the synergy with one half actually synergizes with the other half i really like uh phyrexian devourer did you read about this one six mana for a one one when its power is seven or greater sack it but you can remove the top card of your library uh exile the top card of your library and you put x one one counters on it where x is the converted sorry mana value of this exiled spell so you flip over four drop you get four one one counters on phyrexian devourer but remember if its power is seven or greater sacrifice it here's the thing that's a trigger so what you can do is just be like i'm gonna flip over 52 cards or actually you go one i'm gonna flip it over uh that's a four drop two i'm gonna flip it over that's a three drop trigger you gotta sacrifice it hang on in response to that i'm gonna flip over the top card and now you just keep doing that and you put 75 counters on it and then go, okay, I'll let the sacrifice resolve and I'm going to make 75 two one flyers. This And you can do that at instant speed on the end step before your turn also. <laughs> Spirexion Devourer is really, really good with it. It is a very strangely templated card. It's used to exile people's library, your own library. It's used for tons of weird combo stuff. It's kind of fun that these weird, weird things exist in, in from these our olden format, days of yours. Yeah. Olden days, and they synergize with something brand new to do something busted. Uh, an interesting thing with Felisa that's uh, easy to miss is that she doesn't actually care if it's a one-one counter. She just says counter. So other types of counters will work. So Luminous Broodmoth becomes really good because whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it. Remember in uh, Ikoria, we could have ability keyword counters. So you have a creature, it dies. Uh, you make It has some 1-1 one, one counters on it, so it makes some inklings. Then it comes back with a flying counter on it. It dies and it makes more, more inklings. inklings. Yeah. Okay, here's a one from Days of Yore. Acacian Money Changer. One white for an O2, but it enters the battlefield with... Uh, you, it deals three damage to you when it enters, but then you put three credit counters on it. And during your upkeep, you put one credit counter on it. And you can sacrifice the money changer to gain a life for each credit counter on it. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It comes, it gets four counters and it's a one drop and every upkeep, it gets another counter. And you can mentor on it to get, yeah, plus really get another inkling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cauldron of Souls really good with Felisa because... When your stuff, you can choose any number of target creatures and they all gain persist until end of turn, mm -hmm. which 
means if they don't have a negative one counter when they die, they come back with a negative one counter. And, and persist is really good in general because it has those negative one counters. We've seen persist and plus one plus one counters work really well because whenever you have a minus one minus one counter on it, it doesn't matter. You put a plus one plus one counter on it, that just removes. They yeah, just they, take they it off. negate each other. So they, then now there are no counters on now it. Now there's no counters on it. So when you have a deck that's built around plus one plus one counters, anything with persist can get that persist minus one minus one counter wiped off so that you can sort Back of reset it, it, sacrifice it again, do more broken stuff. Yep. Micaeus also gives a dying to all your creatures, which is a similar thing. Uh, very, very good. And then one of the best cards in the deck, might be the best card in the deck, is Black Sun Zenith, I think. Black, black, X, put X, negative one, negative one counters on each creature. And then you shuffle this into its owner's library. So let's imagine that the biggest thing is a 6-6 six, six, and you go, I've got five creatures. You're right. I'm going to Black Sun Zenith for six. I'm going to make... Th- that's going to put six negative one, negative one counters on my five creatures. It's going to kill every other creature on the board, including mine. But because those are negative one counters on my creatures, when they die, I'm going to get 32 one flyers. <laughs> so anything that gets negative one counters to the whole board is good. Carnifex Demon does a similar thing. Uh, Harbinger of Night, similar thing. Yogmothron Physician doesn't give it to the whole board, but it's doing everything your deck wants to do. Putting negative one counters on stuff, sacrificing creatures, drawing cards, You're gonna proliferating. Yeah, disposable inklings to draw cards on. Proliferate goes crazy when you have a board, board full, full of, of stuff plus with counters. Plus counters. Yeah. Or a couple minus one, minus one counters over here and over there. Yep. So Yogmoth just seems like one of the great cards in the deck. And then I think it's kind of like a aristocracy deck after that, right? You've got your pitiless plunders and your Zulaport cutthroats and your bastion of remembrance and your cruel celebrants and you know you're gonna want ways to sack creatures you got your altars and your viscera seers and you know a lot of the counter synergy from the other deck too the together forevers and the ozolith and stuff like that when you have a deck that has this many ways to make tokens you want to attack on different axes because if you you can always turn them sideways and just kill someone but a lot of times to make your deck more powerful you want to be able to say okay like i can't get through something's going on i want to win this turn i'm going to attack you sacrifice 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 you're dead too yeah just drain you out or whatever okay here's a mean card for this deck as okay. we cap her off cataclysm so if you ever get a board and all your creatures have like four or five counters on them, you just play Cataclysm. It's too white-white for a sorcery. Each player chooses from among permanents he or she controls an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, a land, then sacks the rest. I mean, I pitched Cataclysm in my uh, Vivic... Vivictus Esmati? No, what was the, the Lorehold dragon? Velomachus. Velomachus. Velomachus Lorehold. Yes. Yeah, and I said it was mean, and it was, and it, but it's also a good card in that deck, and it's a good card in this deck. Why do we keep talking about Cataclysm? Because anytime you're but like, hey, good. I'm going to sack my whole board, everyone's going to only have one man after this, but I'm going to have 32 one flyers. Exactly. Yeah. One I'm not saying do that. This. Yeah, we're not saying do it, but like, you'd win the game with the single card. As long as you don't cast it in situations where like, you don't have any counters and stuff, and you're just trying to like, slow down the game. Don't do that. Uh, we also have token synergies in here. You mentioned some other ones, like you mentioned Pitiless Pl- Plunderer and all of these tokens that are on your commander as well. So Anointed Procession doubles those up. Divine Visitation turns them into 4-4 Angels. The Least Reverent Medium can give you more tokens. You feed into the tokens even more. Yeah. 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 So it's got a little bit of token deck, but a, a little bit of Aristocrats deck. Those often go together. And then a little bit of a counter to deck. Still, I like that when it's like it kind of bridges across all of these. It feels like it has a lot of synergy together. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the mono black commander from the silver coal deck. It is Fane the Broker. Uh, two and a black for a three three human warlock has three. I'm sorry, four activated abilities. 
You can tap Fane and sack a creature to put two 1-1 counters on a target creature. You can tap Fane and remove a counter from a creature you control to make a treasure token. Or you can tap Fane and sack an artifact to create a 2-1 Inkling uh, flyer. Or you can pay three and a black and untap Fane, the broker. So you may... You tap, put a 1-1 counter on something, then you tap it, take one of those counters off, make a treasure, then you tap it, sack the treasure, and make an inkling. And then you can tap and sack the inkling to put two 1-1 counters. So it does create a chain. It that- does It does go infinite because if you get two plus one plus one counters, you only need to take off one to get going down the chain. Right. If you could create infinite mana, you do need black mana to continue to do this. Uh, you can make infinite amount of inklings, I guess, is where you end up. Or inf- You can draw your deck, right? Infinite amount of treasure tokens. No, yeah. there's no card draw. Oh, there's on no there. card draw on it. Yeah, you can't draw your deck. Well, you that's just make sad. infinite inklings. But you can have infinite mana too. Infinite mana, infinite inklings. Um, again, infinite, infinitely big something. True. So you, you can obviously infinite mana is good with Fane, um, but you need black mana in there. So it's a little bit harder. You can't just basalt monolith rings of bright hearth. Done. You need black mana in there. Yeah. Um, a lot of similarities, I think, to Felisa, except this is mono black. And a little more geared towards artifacts, but it does have this counter synergy thing. It's a lot of people compared it to Trading Post, which is four mana for a thing that has a bunch of abilities that are similar to this. And I think Trading Post probably goes in this deck because it's doing a lot of the same stuff. Um, I called it an Aristo Counters deck. Do you like Do you like Trading Post? I love Trading Post. Okay, you always find a use for Trading Post. It's like a Planeswalker (laughs) that can't be attacked. Yeah, I think Trading Post is always great. You all, there's always stuff you want to do with it. Because I'm a little lukewarm on this card, honestly. Yeah, it's listen. I don't think this is as powerful as most of the other ones we've talked about. But I do have a love for tap and untap effects. I think that actually keeps a commander in a nice power level because it's just like you need an additional step. You can't just go off with it the turn you played. I think that's good. Uh, But I don't think this is going to be. You know, you can't make a CEDH deck out of Fane. But you're going to want to put counters on stuff so that you can take them off. So it's a lot of the same stuff as Felisa, Micaeus, Cauldron of Souls. Um, Pitiless Plunder is good because you're going to want things to die. And this might be more leaning towards Artifactocrats because of the sacrificing artifacts part. Um, so you might do like the Scrap Trawler, Mirror Retriever, Junk Diver, Clark Cran, Ironworks thing, which is already just an established deck, but it might fit okay into a Fane shell. I actually just like the idea of Fane going like, oh, there's an irrelevant counter on stuff. Make a treasure. Yeah. Make a treasure. Sort of being a sort mana of mana dork. dork. Yeah. Uh, and then you can do untap synergies with Fane, Thousand Year Elixir, Mage Right Stone. I think Staff of Domination is probably like one of the best cards in the deck because now you can create infinite mana and really go nuts mm-hmm. endlessly untapping Fane. Although if you do that and you have Staff, maybe you don't need Fane. Um, Illusionist Bracers would make Fane tap and do its thing twice definitely a little bit more efficient heartstone maybe to make it untapping easier and once you get down to three mana maybe it's a little more easier yeah i think this deck can do some cool stuff but i don't think it's like insanely powerful anyway you might have convinced me a little bit about this like there feels i like commanders where there's always something to do yeah sometimes you have a commander and it's just like it's like an enchantment that you play out of the command zone or it's just something like oh i need the colors something like that but having a commander that you really interact with and you use all the time and it's not so threatening that it immediately gets killed that's kind of like a, a fun value engine that i do like so i think you convinced me a little bit i think you'll be able to sneakily get into some loops that do powerful things all right Let's talk about the last commander, the mono-white one from Silver Coil. Nils, Discipline Enforcer. Two and a white for a 2-2 legendary human cleric. At the beginning of your end step, for each player, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature that player controls. 
Each creature with one or more counters on it can't attack you or planeswalkers you control unless its controller pays X, where X is the number of counters on that creature. Okay, so it stops your opponents from hitting you with this stuff. Um, but you got to put counters on it. You have to. You got to make it bigger. Right. You. <laughs> it doesn't have to be one plus one plus one counters, but you're in white, mono white, if this is your commander. So your options for other types of counters are pretty limited. It's not like white's throwing out negative one counters on stuff. If this was in black, it would have been a lot better, I think, because now you're putting negative one counters on their stuff, mm -hmm. and it's happening. And then, you know, yeah, so ostensibly you have to enhance their creature in some way, probably bump it up with plus one, plus one counters so that it can't attack you, but then they can, like, eventually kill Nils and then just, like, be like, thank you for making my creature huge, and I'm also going to kill you with it now. So... A lot going against it. You did note there are some decks, though, that this card just shuts down which hard. Is, which is really funny when you look at it. It's just like, oh, you're playing Nils? I'm playing Skullbriar. I'm playing Cathrell. Uh, I'm playing Ishai. I'm playing Animar. I'm playing Brina. I'm playing Zexara. I'm playing just Fractals, any of that stuff. It is it is kind of funny when you're playing the plus one, plus one counter deck, you know, and... Uh, and you're just like, hey, none of your stuff, because you, you're you putting counters on your own stuff. Like, sorry, I can't attack me. I don't have me. to do anything. Yeah. You do your own thing, and then you'll just never attack me. That's, that's pretty funny. So I was looking for cards that put plus one, plus one counters on my opponent's stuff. So... Orzhov Abdukist is a card that a lot of people have been talking about that's very similar to Nils. On your upkeep, each player can put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. If they do, then creatures that player controls can't attack you uh, or planeswalkers you control until your next turn. So this kind of doubles up when Nils doing kind of. But that just like forces it. Like you just can't attack. This one you can still attack. You just got to pay a little of mid of mana. Right. But this is just more counters on more, more stuff. More counters is like always good. But, collective yeah. effort. Regna's sanction. This allows you to put plus one plus one counters on every creature your one of your opponent's controls mm -hmm. so you could just turn off their whole board so it can't attack you there are some colorless ways to put negative one counters on stuff so contagion engine puts a negative one counter on each uh creature target player controls that's what it seems really good with nils because you don't have the downside of like when it dies their creatures are now big and kill you also it has proliferate on it the contagion engine contagion clasp is less mana uh and when it enters, you put a negative one counter on a creature, but it also can proliferate. So I think those can both like work in the deck. Um, I also we talked about this. I forget what for a commander from Strixhaven. I think which is like you can Silver try Silverquill. We talked about it with uh, Shadow Shadrix. Shadow Facts. Shadrix. Shadrix. Yeah, Shadow Facts is a different <laughs> IP, which is going to have a crossover actually. Um, so you can try and make big creatures bad, since you know you're going to put counters on your opponent's stuff. You can play Meekstone, doesn't let big creatures untap. You can play Dusk or uh, Fell the Mighty Retribution of the Meek, Austere Command, blow up all the large creatures. The the creatures that Austere are, Command doesn't work. That's CMC. The, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Fell the Mighty Retribution of the Meek and Dusk, though. They, yeah. they still work. They, they care about the size of the creatures. And if you keep yours small and make theirs big, you can make that a disadvantage for them. Absolutely. Mystic Barrier, maybe? Sphere of Safety. Mystic Barrier says you can only attack in a certain <laughs> direction. I don't know. I'm reaching. I do think Planeswalkers will be quite good with this because people don't tend to put directly kill Planeswalker spells in their deck. They usually rely on their creatures being able to attack or punch through damage to get to Planeswalkers. And if you have a weird way where they're like, no, sorry, you just can't attack my Planeswalker with that thing because as a counter, your Planeswalker might be more likely to live. I think that that could be good, and this is one more piece in a whole Pelofort puzzle kind of stuff. I think that you need those ghostly prisons and those other things, those mystic barriers like you mentioned, because if you just rely on this, uh, then they're going to kill it, yeah. and then their creatures are then huge, so then you. they just attack your planeswalkers, or you. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we tried. Nils, I don't think Nils is that good, um, but whatever. It might be interesting. Let's move on now oh, to Quandrix. Quantum Quandrix. The first commander is the face commander. It is Adrix and Nev, twin casters. Two green blue for a 2-2 two, two with ward two. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many of those tokens are created instead. Parallel lives. I mean, we play with that doubling season. Yeah, uh, I think the first step you think of is like you want to double your double or quadruple or whatever. Oh, Qu- yeah. Double your quadru- quadruple. You want to like double up the doubling. Whenever you're doing a strategy, if you have other redundant pieces and other pieces that sort of like boost your same strategy. Yeah, like so this will double double. And then when you get exponential growth. That's where we're at. Yeah. So parallel lives, double season, double your double. Second harvest um, is you already in- got, you already established a bunch of stuff on the board. Double that up too. Uh, Helm of the host, Make creating multiple Adrix. ones of these. Same thing goes with spark double, uh, Sakashima of a thousand faces, or the imposter, uh, creating more of these, creating double things. And I mean, if you're creating a token copy of this. That works like with Helm, yeah. like with so Helm of the Host. Token copies of it with Helm so, of the Host. It, yeah, it so Helm of the Host creates a non-legendary uh, token copy of it. Makes and two. so it's like it makes two of them. And then you have three of them out on the battlefield so that when you go to your next combat phase with Helm of the Host, you... Make four of them. Oh, sorry, six of them. Yeah, you create one and then it doubles, one, doubles, two, doubles. four, yeah. Bring your calculator. <laughs> as, as a good Quandrix should. <laughs> as a good Quandrix should. But right, that's, so, that's the over-the-top play pattern right, right. that we're looking for right there. So once you're doubling, 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 what do you want to double? And uh, I think Scoot Swarm is a pretty good one. Yeah, you want... If you have creatures that put multiple creatures out on the battlefield, that's good. Scoot Swarm does that. If you have creatures that create creatures every single turn so that you're doubling more often, like yeah. uh, Coma, Cosmo Serpent, Tendershoot Dryad. Every upkeep, they're really making good. tokens. So you're making two tokens or three tokens or four, to- four tokens. Yeah. Exactly. So Ooh, constantly like pumping one. out stuff. Yeah, I know. Uh, Fairy Artisans, severely underplayed. You should be playing this Did card. you see it on extra turns? Manson played it and it did a lot of work. Nice. It's three and a blue for a 2-2 two, two flyer. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control you create a token that's a copy of that creature except it's an artifact in addition to its other types and then you exile all other tokens created by fairy artisans so stealing just getting a token is amazing because you're just getting those etb effects that we've talked about being so important you know when we talk about hushbringer shutting those down it's just like everyone has these etb creatures and so if you can steal those etbs have a relevant creature on the battlefield even if it's going away it's totally fine but when you're doubling this up when you're doubling doubling and getting more tokens it becomes crazy good now to be fair you will still exile all the other tokens that were made previously but you will get like the two new ones come in you'll get two those will stay but they'll kill the other two that were there before if you have two adrix and nevs you'll get three yeah yeah um yeah super super good uh amphibutineer like a favorite card of josh and mine keep playing it in your decks with Encore, it's really good because it not only is a good tar- target to sort of double up, uh, but when you Encore it, if you make three Amphimuneers, but that's actually six or maybe more than that, Amphimuneers, it just becomes Boardwipe City. Uh, Exile, too. So love that. So uh, in general, I think Encore is pretty good. And Eternalize can be really good. Imagine like Champion of Wits. Again, you pay seven mana, but you make three four fours that all draw you four cards and then you discard two. Amazing. Yeah, it seems really, really good. Also, it's not just creatures. Some of these only work with creatures, oh, but you know, you can actually double up your tireless tracker uh, tokens. Oh, that's so good. You could double up your sky, your kicked Skyclave relics. Uh, yeah, 
your spell swindles oh, if you're creating all of those treasures nice spell uh, swindles so good with this card you so, hold it up you know they're gonna want to kill it and you just go like i'm gonna spell swindle your card and uh i'm gonna make 12 treasure instead of six. Oh my gosh uh Hole Breacher. Mean, but yeah. It's a good card. Hole Breacher. Yeah. You make two treasure every time somebody doesn't draw a card. Yeah, that's... For yeah. sure. Uh, and so this deck, this kind of builds itself, but you notice that we've hit on not just boring plus one plus one or boring one one creatures or sapperlings or whatever. We're trying to get relevant creatures as tokens to double them up. That's why we focus on the ones that create more, the ones that create them every single turn or up, every single upkeep. So yeah, just a fun, fun card. All right, let's talk about the next one, which is Essex Fractal Bloom. This is the uh, commander I played on the most recent game nights. Essex Fractal Bloom is four green blue for a 4-4 legendary creature, Fractal, with flying. The first time you would create one or more tokens during each of your turns, you may instead choose a creature other than Essex Fractal Bloom and create that many tokens that are copies of that creature. Okay, so... You make copies of creatures you control rather than the tokens that were originally going to be made. Um, I think a big overall note I learned about Essex is you want most of your stuff in your deck to be creatures so that you have more targets for things to copy when you do make tokens. So even your token makers, you mostly want to be creatures. You really want to make multiple tokens all at once because it it only triggers the first time on each of your turns. So if you just make one token... You can get some value and it can be good, but it's way better if you make four tokens all at once. So anything like Hornet Queen, Avenger of Zendikar, Deep Forest, Hermit, those all make a bunch of tokens all at once. And then those tokens are actually going to be copies of something. And also the good thing about those being creatures is you can copy the thing that's making the tokens and make even more tokens. But remember, it won't keep going because Hornet Queen will make four flyers and then those become Hornet Queens, which will then each make four. But that's the second time you've made tokens. So you'll end up with five Hornet Queens and 16 1-1 flyers, which is still very good. Like, that's um, all? Master of Waves is really good because it's three and a blue for a 2-1. When it enters the battlefield, you make um, a number of 1-0 elemental creature tokens equal to your devotion to blue. However, they'll see all each other, so the, all their devotion will count. Uh, sorry, so you play Master of Waves. Let's say your devotion blue is four. You're going to make four tokens all at once. They're going to be Master of Waves. All those Master of Waves will see each other, so now your devotion to blue is eight. So you'll make eight for each of the four, so 32 and your Master of Waves, you'll have five of them now. We'll all give plus one, plus one to all of them. So, yeah. So it's... 32, five sixes? Yeah. Ah, so you good. need a calculator again, but Master of Waves is very, very good. Skittering Invasion, Beacon of Creation. Again, these are instants and sorceries that make a lot of tokens all at once. Spell Swindle, because it does not say whenever you make creature tokens what it does say is you can only copy creatures so you spell swindle something uh it would have to be the first time you're creating tokens on your turn though so be careful got it yeah and of course doubling this stuff up could be really good as well so everything that we mentioned before parallel lives doubling season home of the host spark double etc all of that stuff works really well um because if you're making tokens you might as well make more tokens i, I wanted to present a caution here which is you do not actually want stuff that creates one thing every turn so coma, especially if it's during your upkeep, coma, tender shoot, dryad, um, uh, awakening zone from beyond, because that thing will trigger during your upkeep. It'll be the first time you make a token on your turn. You'll make one copy of something and then you won't be able to do the Hornet Queen thing. So you don't actually want to put yourself in the position where you can't have the big explosive play. So you don't want those cards in your deck. That's smart. Um, 
All right. And then one, it's, thing, one thing that I saw a lot of too is being able to create tokens on lands. So yeah. basically you can play your lands and everything's fine. But then later on in the game, you, you know, crack your, your land to create some thopters or whatever. And then you have that sort of contingency plan if you ever run out of gas. Yep. Um, and then you just need good stuff to copy because you can't always rely on your opponents to have awesome things. So E-Witness, Mole Drifter, Agent of Treachery, Steal Everything. Risen Reef is insane. And this is a card I missed and didn't put in my upgrade video for the deck, but it would 100% be in there now. This is one green-blue for a 1-1 one, one elemental. When it enters the battlefield or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control, you look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield tapped. If you don't put that card on the battlefield, put it into your hand. So what this does is I got a Risen Reef out. I play, I don't know, something that makes four tokens. Deep I make four tournament. Risen Reefs. Yeah. The Risen Reefs all see each other. So the first one triggers four times for four elementals coming in the battlefield. All of the four that came in trigger five times or four times, four times, once for themselves, once for seeing the other three, three others. Yeah. Yeah. So now I've 20 times I flipped the top card of my library, put the land into play or put the non-land in my hand. Risen Reef is nuts in the deck. Unbelievable. Yep. That's and then you awesome. want to be able to reuse and use or use and reuse your creatures. And you really probably want to do that through bounce. Uh, so team or saber tooth, crystal shard, they can bounce your own creatures. Uh, you've got Birthing Bot on here, which I thought was really smart, actually. So just ability to turn a creature you've got into another creature and just go find specific things like, oh, I know I can go get Hornet Queen with this. Yeah, because sometimes when you've played the creature, it's done the thing and then it's useful, useless. Uh, other times you kind of want it sitting around on the battlefield because even if you create one more Hornet Queen, that's pretty good. But sometimes you just want to get rid of it and upgrade it into something else yep. or get something that can keep your chain going. And so, uh, a and also a lot of these cards that we mentioned are very, uh, toolboxy, yeah. you know, draw a card, get something back from my graveyard, you know? Uh, so they can be this sort of value toolbox engine. If you have just a few cards that synergize with that. And then I had one note at the end here, if you can't afford it, you probably want like concordant crossroads in the deck because Listen, when you have that explosive turn where you go Avenger of Zendikar, make nine Avengers, make a bajillion plant tokens, play my land now, you want to be able to attack right then. So Concordant Crossroads is one mana for a world enchantment. It says all creatures have haste. So just for one mana being able to give your board haste can end the game where you otherwise will have to cross your fingers and wait until you untap it. They probably won't let you. Yeah, um, that effect in green is pretty tough. If you want a budget version that's not as good, uh, the drawbridge from Throne of Eldraine. Crashing uh, drawbridge. Crashing drawbridge. Really yeah, yeah, you got to tap it to do that, so you can't do it like immediately. But yeah, you can give your creatures haste with that too. All right, let's move on to, we got two left to go. The mono blue commander from the Quandrix deck. Dika, Fractal Theorist. It's four to blue for a three, three human wizard with Magecraft. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you create a zero, zero fractal creature token and you put X one, one counters on it where X is the spell's mana value. And then you can pay three and a blue to give a creature token uh, can't be blocked this turn. So you cast a four CMC instant or sorcery or copy. You get a four, four fractal. And then Dika can pay four mana to give tokens, probably fractals, unblockable, basically. I like the ability to just, you cast whatever spell you want. You don't have to worry about the mana cost of it and you just get a dude. I feel like I was really hemmed in when I had to be casting spells five, five or greater. Yeah. yeah, and I just, I'm fine cantripping and creating a one one you yeah know? true and i like you know casting a three drop and getting a three three that just means instead of feeling like i have to meet this requirement i just cast the spells i want and it generates value so this is going to have a lot of similarities i think to zaphi but not the exact same you definitely want to cast free spells so force of will misdirection 
Fierce Guardianship, really good. Foil is a good one. It's two blue, blue for an instant. You can discard an island card rather than pay this card's mana cost, and it counters a spell. Those are ways to sort of get free, quote-unquote, uh, fractals. You know, this one would make a 4-4. You can also play cards that untap your lands when you play them. Rewind, Frantic Search. These cards are not as good in Zaphi, some of them, because they're not 5 CMC or more. I mean, I don't think I play Foil in Zaphi. No, because it's just a scry. Force of Will is 5 CMC, so it is actually worth it in Zaphi. Uh, whereas Rewind, Frantic Search also kind of, maybe you'd play them, but they're not quite as good. When they make 3-3s, three um, which is almost as good as a 4-4, I think you do play those cards now. And then you also want to play a bunch of those spells we talked about for Zephyr that are cheaper than they look. And you get better stuff out of it. So like the same ones that we mentioned, the Dig Through Time, the Treasure Cruise, the Logic Knot, you're getting you get an 11 11 or an 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're getting the bigger creature and you're still paying the same amount of mana yeah pour over the pages temporal mastery two mana get a seven seven take an extra turn that seems really really good you still want spells that cast more spells so spell twine like we talked about earlier brawl's expertise is a cool one Ooh, cool brawl's expertise is three blue blue for a sorcery return up to three target artifacts and or creatures to their owner's hands you may cast a card with converted mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost so you're gonna get probably two different fractals from two different things you cast this way. Uh, that's pretty cool, very powerful. And then I I put instant speed X spells as a thing I would really want in this deck because one of the advantages you could have is just holding your mana open and then on the turn before you play, or the turn before your turn, you can now sort of see what happens. And if they cast something big, you can use one of those X spells. Uh, blue has a ton of X counter spells that basically say blue and X. And then if they don't pay X mana, you counter the spell. And so you just sit, you just sit on it and you just go, okay, Clash of Wills, Condescend, Power Sync, one of those. Dump all your mana to it, make an 11-11, counter their spell. And now you're untapping with your 11-11. Or if they don't counter it, cast anything you want to counter, then you can hold open Stroke of Genius, Pull from Tomorrow, Blue Sun Zenith, and just draw cards instead, still make an 11-11. And just sitting there on the instant before your turn just being like, okay, let's see what happens, and now I can decide. But either way, I'm going to spend all my mana and make a huge thing or a couple of huge things. That sounds like a very nice play pattern, especially because it plays at instant speed. It plays the way that you want to play with this. And honestly, it plays kind of like um, Talrand, yeah. which does want to land something that gives you value whenever you do your stuff and then stay up, be reactive, uh, make sure that you protect your own threat. And yeah, and the, the issue with Talrand is a lot of times you can't counter everything and you just run out of counters mm -hmm. because you're only getting a 2-2 flyer every time. This one is like, no, with my one spell, I will get an 11-11, right? <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's fine. I will counter your thing, but I'm going to get 11 power worth of stuff out or whatever. I'm just, 11 is just the number I got in my head. But you want to also exploit the unblockable is the next um, category we're going to talk about here. So once you've got token making and stuff, how do you turn this four mana make something unblockable into something that's worth it to pay four mana into? You put down the swords of X and Y. Because when they deal damage, you get a lot of value, and sometimes it's easy to get that damage through, and other times it's not. And something like Sword of Feast and Famine, that you can make sure that you get through, you untap all of your mana, that becomes really good because all of your mana is also creatures. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, stuff like uh, Best the Sea God to create these other really big relevant tokens. Yeah, oh, it makes you got it right 8, there. 8, 8, I like that. I think this Kiora Best the Sea God is actually very strong and people should play it more. Oh, it's the the second and third modes are brutal. Crazy, yeah. Right? Uh, five blue blue for a, an enchantment saga. The first thing you do is create an eight eight blue kraken creature token with hexproof. 
So now you have a big 8-8. You can activate it. You can get damage through. Uh, then tap all non-land permanence target opponent controls. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. That can often just kill someone. Brutal. Yeah, that's Brutal. chapter two. Yeah, I've seen people be Yose blocked in the in locked out in previous days before people thought that was scary to me. Uh, <laughs> gain control of target permanent and, imp- and opponent controls. Untap it. Yep. Just a th- Every just mode a- on it's good. Every mode on it is good. And it is a seven tempo. drop, but yeah, for sure. Other ways to sort of turn the unblockable into your advantage is Biden of Thassa curiosity crafter is a new card, but they basically let you draw cards when your opponent, when you deal damage to opponents. And then of course, if you're going to be making tokens with one thing, you know, have redundant strategies, make sure that your deck synergizes with the rest of your deck. So we're going to mention stuff like shark typhoon, metallurgic summonings, tower and sky summoner. Also like Zephi. Yeah. All that's good stuff. Yep. Um, I think this deck will be, very similar to Talrand, but yeah. maybe maybe a slightly different, like I said, because one big spell is a little better for you. And I actually think it might end up being more fun than Talrand, yeah. because I think that the play pattern that you had to get in with Talrand, because they are tutus, is protect Talrand. And a lot of little everything, spells. A lot of little spells, counter, 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 counter. This one, it leans more into Commander, where you're like, oh, I got a spell for you. I'm going to yeah. play something I big, need to spend all my mana. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got one more to go, and you've called dibs on reading I called dibs on it because it's so great. It's Ruxa Patient Professor. Two green green for a 4-4 legendary bear druid, and he just looks so patient and so wonderful. Whenever Ruxa Patient Professor enters the battlefield or attacks, return target creature card with no abilities from your graveyard to your hand. Creatures you control with no abilities get plus one plus one. You may have creatures you control with no abilities assign their combat damage as though they weren't blocked. So here's the thing. He's just teaching these these students that just have no abilities. They're just so He's like, all my students right are there. idiots. Yeah, all my students are idiots. Is this and, why you like it? Because you're yeah. in education? <laughs> he's just a little... I mean, he's just a bear taking these little blank creatures that have no abilities and being like, look, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to pump you up. I'm going to let you get your damage through. I'm going I'm to bring you learn the something and you won't need me anymore. I'm going to get you there. And he's, look at him, he's just a nice bear in, a, in wearing clothes. All right, so it's Vanilla Creature <laughs> Tribal. Um, the the card that everybody immediately thinks of when you talk about Ruxa is Muragonda Petroglyphs. Three and a green for an enchantment. Creatures with no abilities get plus two, plus two. I gotta say, this should be more than plus two, plus two. It really should. Yeah, but anyway, that's the card everybody thinks of. That's your payoff. That's your there, payoff. There's a whole bunch of vanilla creatures that are like fine. Gigantosaurus, five green mana for a 10-10. Leatherback Bayloth, three green mana for a 4-5. Colonian Tusker, two green mana for a 3-3. Three, three. I like this Icehide Golem. It's one snow mana for a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I guess you play a bunch of a bunch of vanilla creatures. I we're gonna have a discussion about whether actually you play a lot of vanilla creatures or not because we'll we'll talk about it in a second. I like things like Garenbrig Carver, which is three in a green for a three two vanilla, but it has adventure, so you can for as an instant play the adventure side and target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. But it's a vanilla creature when it's a creature on the battlefield, so that's a way to kind of get around. Oh. The, yeah. A little bit. Listen. So Josh took off my creatures that I think are the biggest reason to play this deck. Did I take them off? Yeah. Well, because they're awful. You took them off for good Crawl reason. Crawlworm. Crawlworm. Like, so you you have to wonder, is there like meme value to this? Like, are you playing Crawlworm and Force Bear? Editors get the right Force Bear art in there. Well, Bear Tribal, I think, is a thing. <laughs> uh, Force Bear. That's the Graham That's card. the one where it's like, yeah. oh. Yeah. Like, so are you playing these like inherently bad cards and trying to make them good? 
Well, I think yes, but the inherently bad cards are not Crawworm and Forest Bear. No, but those are the meme aspects of it. They're like, Gigantosaurus and Leather Bale. You'll the, play like, those two. Those are bad cards. Those are bad cards, yes. So, like, I'm going to play the good bad cards, not the bad bad cards. You probably have to play both because they're not enough good bad cards. That's a good point. <laughs> wow. But well, I what about just Bear Tribal? Yeah, okay. Most bears don't have abilities, and you just do as many two twos for two as you can do, and they're really two twos for or three threes for two. I'm I also thought, you know what, like yeah. you know, morphs. So morphs don't get the regrowth aspect of because they'll have abilities when they're in the graveyard. But yeah. on the battlefield, they are three threes that get pumped for three, and then you can flip them over, and maybe they can do stuff. So it gives you some amount of ability to take advantage of like what Rush is doing a little bit, but also have some tricky stuff that you can do. I like that. I could go with that for I sure. Know. I don't know if that's good. Here's the next category. It's tokens because tokens usually have no abilities. So here we go again. Tender shoot dryad. Um, Asika's chariot makes cats and also makes more tokens. Uh, you've got Wolverine riders. So four green, green for a four, four at the beginning of each upkeep, create a one, one elf warrior creature token. And then whenever an elf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life equal to its toughness. That's not an ability given to the elves, so they'll still be vanilla creatures, although yeah. the Wolverine Riders is not. All of these, the creatures themselves are not. So like the Tender Shoot Dryad, it's got a lot of text on that. Same yeah. thing with the... But the saplings it yeah. makes don't. Exactly. Um, Ayula's Influence is green, green, green for an enchantment. You can discard a land card and make a 2-2 two, two bear. Garrick Primal Hunter, two green, green, green for a three mana planes or three loyalty planeswalker that has can make three threes with no abilities, or you can negative three it to draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control, or you can negative six it to make a six, six worm for each token, or sorry, six, six worm token for each land you control. That, those worms don't even have trample. That's a plus side in this deck. That's true. You don't want them to have trample. <laughs> well, that Ruxa kind of gives them a weird form of trample, It does. Right? It gives them like, yeah, this could, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Azuri's Predation makes four fours, which will be five fives with Ruxa and fight everything. They don't have abilities. So that's, that, did, that might be good. I think the downside of tokens is that in general, Rux is not getting anything back from the yeah. graveyard. Into None the of those things that we mentioned, you can get back. Yeah, because tokens, yeah, the, the tokens themselves don't go to the graveyard and sit there. So, But does that matter? Is that a thing that you care about too much with Ruxa? Are you well, just hoping once in a while I'll get a Gigantosaurus back, but in general I don't use that ability? Yeah, I think in general you won't use that ability because I think that if you're playing a creature-based deck, power and toughness does matter, you know? So giving plus one plus one will do something. But actually, if you're doing a damage-based deck, it's that last ability of basically, you know, that they can assign combat damage as though they weren't blocked. I think that that big, like, overrun, unblockable, big damage that gets through effect is going to be the more relevant thing. Yeah, I add the next category as pump carefully. So you don't want your mump, your mass pump spell probably to give like abilities. So try for the Horde's Crater Hoof. You probably don't want to do that. I like it. Crater Hoof's bad. It's so great. And it's probably still good if you have enough <laughs> yeah. creatures, but whatever. Um, but your creatures would get plus one, plus one, but they would lose that ability to assign damage as uh, to the players as if they weren't blocked. So it's, yeah, it's so funny because like I thinking about like pathbreaker ibex and like the bog beast from the new one they all grant trample and that's like that's the good one you know that's why Not it's here. good in this one like the bad one cultivator of blades which i shouted out with jimmy as the bad pump actually it becomes good. the good pump in this one and also fabricates to create those one one servos which would get pumped cultivator of blades Beastmaster ascension i think is a good one gaia's anthem is a enchantment that is just kind of merg on a petroglyphs but better um <laughs> return of the wild speaker is good vitalizing wind here's one it's uh it's an instant this is eight and a green but creatures you control get plus seven plus seven until end of turn so this is a game ender with rux out because 
they're going to oh, yeah. assign damage as if they were not blocked and you're just going to pump your you know however many creatures you manage to get out okay so josh we've kind of described this deck a little bit i think that it's if you build it well the power level's a six yeah maybe six do you and think a half that, do you think that this is a fun six deck to play probably i don't i don't know if it's fun it just depends on what you find fun like i think you have less tricky things you can do mm. so that part of it for me i don't find fun but it might be what some people do find fun i think it's probably a little stronger than we think too because i don't think you have to have all vanilla creatures in your deck or all vanilla stuff you still have beast whisper in your deck you still put guardian project mm, that's in there. a good point good you point. still put probably vidalkin ori or yeva or something like that and you're saying like okay a couple of these don't play into the vanilla theme but they enable this deck to actually like have a chance to win games and I think that's fine. If you want to go full meme, literally like everything in here is just like vanilla. It'll be funny, but I don't think you'll play that deck very many times because it probably won't actually be that fun because you'll just be like, yeah, Gigantosaurus, you know, it's whatever. It's unblockable. It's just attacking with another creature. Yeah, I just yeah. don't have, and then somebody goes, okay, well, you know, it's a normal deck. So I'm going to play Ghostly Prison. What are you going to do? It's a normal deck. I'm going to play Glacial Chasm. What the heck? You, what answer do you have for that? So you got to make sure that you can still interact with your opponents and do some tricky stuff because there's just too many ways for the, your average deck to just be like, hey, I knew people were going to try to attack me. I have a card that stops that. And you're like, crap, everything I have is vanilla. And also, um, this is a vulnerable creature. And so if you're planning on attacking everyone with some big alpha strike and giving everything plus one, plus one, Kill you're up. a single removal spell. So still and play, yeah, heroic intervention. And Which stuff is like so funny because doesn't it give your creatures indestructible? It does, but you still play it because if they go to kill Ruxa like that, you're just like, but also then they're like, well, my removal spell kind of worked, right? Yeah, because like, now, like now they have indestructible, they lose, they lose plus one, plus one too, right? Yep. And they, lose, and they, they build, can't get through. It's so, it's super awkward. I, I think it, it is, it's cute. <laughs> it's a Mimi deck. Uh, you know, I think it, it could be fun to build um, and play, but I think it'll be honestly more fun long-term if you don't go super meme with it. Have your car worms and stuff in there, but still put Beast Whisperer. Have enough. Make sure you have enough card draw. Beast Within creates a beast with no abilities. You can like you know. Yeah, still have that stuff. Turn your oh, turn your force into a four four unblockable. Bam. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for part one. It was a little longer than we thought. Josh, I'm super happy that you C21. decided to split this up into oh, two episodes. Originally, we were going to do this in one episode, <laughs> and it was going to be 15 hours long. So we did want to do. We, we like to do a deep dive on everything because I think it's fun to like really go into like each of these commanders and what you could do. For think, sure. Yeah, people hopefully like you get one or two really cool ideas you didn't think of for each of these from us um so we're gonna do part two in a couple of days here or whatever the next episode is it'll be lorehold and witherbloom and then we'll wrap up that discussion talking about who we think is the most powerful new commander and what our favorite is and things like that so to the listeners out of the stuff we talked about today what is your favorite commander on the list which of these are are you already building? Have you already built or are thinking about building? Which speaks to you? And then if you don't have these cards or you want to pick up some of the cards we talked about to build these decks, cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go. They will get you your card super, super fast. You will be playing with your deck before you know it. And they'll get that get you that stuff in pristine condition. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You know you're going to buy magic cards anyway. May as well help support all the command zone content when you do. Blackboarded crawworm. You know, you want that in near mint condition. You want it to really be near mint. Right. You know. So get it from Card Kingdom so you don't get some banged up copy. That's right. Yeah. You get your beta crawworm in really good shape. That's probably not a cheap card. Anything beta these days is nuts. Uh, yeah. So make sure you put it into an Ultra Pro Eclipse Sleeve, Pro, Pro, Pro Gloss Eclipse Sleeve. Put it into a nice deck box, Satin Tower, or a Mythic Collection. Play it on a nice playmat. Ultra Pro really does make the best stuff to protect all of your cards. Um, we're going to skip the end step today because this is a really long episode. It'll be at the end of the next episode. Okay. You, he's got a good one. So we're going to save it till the next episode. 
Before we go, big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, and Gaurav Galati. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations that begin our show and sit behind us often uh, on set. He did do this 1,000-year elixir. You can find Jeffrey on Twitter, at livingcardsmtg. Whew, it's hot in here. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's open that door so we can stop sweating so much. We will see you real soon with Laurel and Witherbloom. Bye, everyone. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.